0: What is up, Gypsy gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast and super stoked on this one. Every now and again, there is an episode that is just extremely hard to schedule Uh, for the guest side and on my side. This was one of those episodes. um, I apologize to Jess uh, on camera formally, but I'm going to do it again here because look, it was just It was hard to get it going. But I'm so glad that we stuck it out and we got it done. Jessica Dane is uh, one of the shining stars in the women's motorsport industry. Uh, She's been working at Triple Eight for a while now and is going to be taking over our team management duty, duties alongside Jamie Wincup in 2022. Um, she is a fixture of Australian motor, uh, of Australian motorsports and a real leader uh, of the women in motorsport movement. So it was super enjoyable uh, getting to speak to her. The three hours went by very quickly. Didn't look at my notes until uh, two, hours, <clears throat> two hours and 50 minutes into the podcast, um, so that is a good sign. Really, really enjoyed this episode and I uh, I can't wait to see uh, how 2022 and beyond plays out. Um, it's definitely, uh, I think, a really cool storyline for the sport uh, of V8 supercars um, here in Australia and just motorsports in general. We are brought to you today by the legends at mxstore.com.au. Um, I was there on the weekend, bought myself a two-stroke fuel drum. Oh, it felt good too, to be honest, just like my own separate... Matrix fuel drum. Uh, Matrix aren't a sponsor, but they're a product that uh, MX Store carry. You know those ones? Those yeah, I got one of them. It's pretty sick. Felt pretty, yeah. Felt pretty gangster, putting some premium in there, mixing up some two-stroke fuel. Ugh, love it. You can get the same products that uh, we all run on our bikes from the guys at mxstore.com.au. Same-day shipping if you order for two PM, and uh, you can do click and collect if you live in uh, the Gold Coast or Queensland. Or honestly, you can just do you can do click and collect if you live in Perth. To be honest, um, you're just gonna have to drive and obviously collect it. Uh, also, while we're on the topic of MX store. They are the presenting uh, partner of the 125 Cup that is going down on the 24th of July at the Gold Coast MX Club. 24th of July. Um, they got some prizes up for grabs, and there's a slew um, of badasses that will be racing the 125s there. Uh, I am going to be giving the Bike Sales 125 to Robbie Marshall to go uh, and, you know, probably just win more motos, to be honest. Uh, we are brought to you today. Uh, by the guys at Dixon Flannel. You can head to dixonquality.com.au, use a code Gypsy Gang, that is going to get you 20% off. I feel like every time I'm kind of at a track or I kind of run into somebody, uh, they mention just how good uh, Dixon Flannels are. They've owned other flannels in the past, and I always get the same thing Dude, how good are Dixon Flannels? They're very good. Uh, definitely would not be talking. I mean, I guess I would. Nah, I wouldn't. I'd probably tell Sammy to jam it. Um, dixonquality.com.au. Get yourself a dope flannel. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Gloves, and they have just dropped a collab uh, with the guys at Dixon. So check those out at Fisthandwear.com. Uh, we're brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. as well, rivalincdesignco.com for all of your sticker needs for your dirt bike. Uh, also, Jazzy prints They've got a dope range of merch. And if you're following the guys on Rival, uh, you'll notice some pretty epic content that has been uh, on their Instagram of late. Super cool to follow if you're into motocross or motorcycles of any kind. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Cricks Tweed. You can head to crickstweed.com. A Check out their epic range of new and used vehicles. Sadly, today, I just returned uh, the Mitsubishi van. Very, very torn. On the one hand, the ute is quite comfortable. I really do enjoy my Mitsubishi Triton. But on the other hand, that Mitsubishi van made riding extremely easy. We're going riding tomorrow. it be the first time back in the ute. And uh, look, I, I can't lie. I missed the van big time. Uh, you can own either the... Mitsubishi Triton or the Mitsubishi Van uh, by heading to the guys at crickstweed.com.au. Also, merch is online at gypsytales.com and freshly online as well. It's the first time we've really done anything like this. We just dropped an eight-part vlog series uh, that followed us from Gold Coast all the way to Manjimup and back. Um, We rode with Sam Hill, The goat of mountain biking. We raced one of the craziest races in the world. Uh, We had our Gypsy Tails ride day at the Bunbury Motocross Track, and then we carted our sore and sorry asses all the way back across Australia. Um, It was a huge effort for us to get all these videos done at the same time as kind of keeping the wheels turning here at the podcast. Um, It's like a four, I guess it's 40 minutes if you watch all all of those videos in a row, maybe a little bit longer. Um, So, yeah, head on over to YouTube. Give us a like, give us a comment, and uh, we would really appreciate that. Um, Also... It was brought to my attention the other day that uh listeners of the podcast might have businesses that could benefit from advertising on the podcast I hadn't really thought of it before but uh approached by people that listen to the podcast and love the podcast uh if you do have a brand um and you would like to speak to the gypsy gang uh and the audience that we do have uh you can email us at gypsy tales podcast at um we'd be spoke we would be stoked to work with you all right, that's enough from me. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you to Jess for giving us three hours of her time. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and uh, I'm excited to have her on again. Jessica Dane. Hello. Welcome to Gypsy Tales. We have made it happen.
1: We have. It feels like a long time coming.
0: Every now and again, <laughs> there are these episodes that seem impossibly hard to make happen for no reason than just like random (laughs) things going on and and i admittedly am terrible with my emails (laughs) if it was like no (laughs) i
1: don't i don't know why you say such a thing (laughs) it's
0: it's honestly it's bad it's honestly bad so my apologies for that but we spoke right before we went to mandium up and then I did not real Like, I'm actually still tired from Map And I'm not sure if I'm ever getting back how I felt <laughs> before that trip. It was just one of those ones that seems like it really took something still from me. Still
1: playing catch up. Well, that's a sign of a good trip, isn't it? Mm. Like, I look back in my life and I can see three trips that I've taken where I've been written off for at least a week afterwards. Yeah. And that's been uh, a girl's trip to zanti
0: Where's, um, what's Zanti?
1: Oh, it's a Greek island. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, when I was like 20. Yeah. Um, girls' trip to Zanti, and um, then I had to go and work in, in an office in London after that and the first week i was sick and then the next week everyone else was sick because oh. <laughs> i brought back my Xantigerms. germs <laughs> uh not an std just a cold um, <laughs> just to clarify wow this is off to a good start
2: hey, um, perfect.
1: <laughs> and then we did a trip to bangkok that yep. like uh the team did a trip to bangkok in um 2012 when jamie was racing in race of champions and that was that was loose i was yeah, I was written off for a good week or so. Then and then Austin, 2013, we raced over there oh. um, again. Yeah, so we raced in Austin. I went to LA, and then we went to Indianapolis for the Indy 500. Yep. And yeah, that was that was big. <laughs> and again, <laughs> another another week of my life lost to being like sickest I've ever been. <laughs>
0: oh, how good is Austin? Did you go out in Austin?
1: Oh man, how good is it? Like oh. the people are so cool. Yes. Everyone's so nice. Although I remember getting there and um we're walking down the street on like maybe the first night or the second night and everyone goes rushing over to the curb and everybody's crowding around i'm like whoa, whoa, what's, what's going on what's going on thinking that you know somebody had seen a cool car or something because we all rushed around the curb and i was like no it's too small to be a car I realized they were all getting so excited about a squirrel and like oh. to me being english seeing You've a seen squirrel is like yeah. seeing a possum yeah like, i just want to get a gun out and shoot it yeah but everyone was like oh my god it's a squirrel um but yeah no apart from that austin is austin's mega like the food the people the music the atmosphere yeah yeah. So, so good.
0: That's one of my favorite cities in America. I used to, I lived over there for yeah. a while and uh, that what an awesome was... awesome place to live. Oh man. I, d- I didn't live in Austin, I, in America, but we'd go to Austin and oh, that place is so, so, so fun. But I'm worried because it seems like the rest of the world is figuring that out. It was like kind of one of those mm. low key places, like even living in America for years before I went there, I never really, you wouldn't hear about how cool Austin is. But now, especially because of COVID, a lot of people are moving to Austin. Austin's kind of becoming like a little bit of a a thing. Yeah. Now it's
1: getting ruined by tourists.
0: Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs)
1: Damn.
0: Yeah. But uh, those trips, there are some trips that really do take it out of you. Yeah. uh,
1: And this is yours. Oh man WA is yours I was like I was was talking to like Maddie and AZ and I was like is he alive (laughs) is he survived
0: (laughs) well if it makes you feel any better I don't even text my mum back I've just got to this (laughs) I've just got to this period where I think I'm dangerously close to getting somebody to do that because it's just becoming, it's just becoming like a. a <laughs> is thing. there going
1: to be a job ad up soon for your PA?
0: Maybe, yeah. <laughs>
1: Personal text and email replier.
0: Yeah, that's all I Does want. Does it
1: pay well? Can I do it? <laughs>
0: uh, I don't think it pays much. Um, <laughs> that, that's uh, that's the lack of finance is probably the reason why things are going unanswered. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things I was thinking about the other day. Like now, when I go out, people don't really ask me to drink. Because they kind of know I don't really drink. Yeah. So it's like, it's. but it's so been So does that years. mean that they ask
1: you to go out as the designated driver? They're like, we're all going out to get Uber. loose, so can you come along?
0: <laughs> I feel like the designated driver doesn't exist anymore because of Uber.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. But that, I, is that the sign of being in cities though? Like certainly if mm. back in the UK, like I'll go back to where my mum lives or my sister lives and where I grew up. And I'll say, "Oh, are we getting an Uber?" And they're like, a, a what?"
3: Yeah, <laughs> obviously yeah. they know what
1: Uber is now because it's in the cities. But out there, now nah, you don't get Uber out there.
0: That is very true.
1: My mum texts me. Um, I had to, when we were trying to line this up at the beginning, and I was in this crazy, mad period. And like, I don't get easily overwhelmed. I can deal with a lot. And yeah, I worth was, mentioning
0: at the start, <laughs> you were the one that was too busy.
1: Yes, yeah, good point, good point. So it was my fault at first. Um, but my mum messaged me and I was like, I'd been talking to her and I was like, I'm, I'm legitimately forgetting to eat. Like, I can't, yeah. I'm just... I get home from work and then I dive into uni and then you know I've maybe got a commission meeting with Europe that goes overnight or whatever and I just forget to eat and then I don't sleep because I'm hungry and everything else is going on and my mum said is there some kind of meal delivery service that you have in Australia and I was like you mean like Uber Eats and she's like what is that
2: really and I was like, it's
1: like uber but with food and she said that sounds disgusting I was like, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to well, the 21st century living in a city <laughs> well it's
0: not uber that makes the food it's a mm. restaurant uber's the
3: one that well
1: that was i think that was what she yeah, was she's probably getting thinking at. that like yeah. uber drivers
3: are making the
0: food
1: <laughs> it was baffling to her to think that there is like an uber delivery service but for Food. Anyway, we got there in the end. Bless her. She was like googling and screenshotting all these different like equivalent of U foods and stuff. You know, she found like U foods and Marley Spoon and all this kind of thing that could that she thought would be able to just like deliver me food that evening. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Do do you um do do you do the meal thing or are you cooking? Like, what's because I'm like currently in that at the moment where I'm like I got to figure something out because it just cooking (laughs) doesn't seem like the best use of my time but i do enjoy cooking mm. like it actually is quite a hard thing to i'm a fuck first world problems but yeah if I'm you, with because you there, you're totally. in, you're an extremely busy woman you are working for triple eight you're doing a law degree you're on every women's board of <laughs> motorsport that you can be on there's the tv presenting stuff like you're not a person that You know, you get the people like, oh, I'm so fucking busy. You're not a, I'm so fucking busy person. Like, you are actually a very legitimately busy person.
1: Yeah, there's... I'm a big believer in never saying that I'm too busy for something. Mm. One of my pet hates in life is people who say, I don't have time. Mm. Don't... Okay, if you want to use that as an excuse to yourself, that's okay. But don't use that as an excuse to me because... Everybody has time for anything you want to do if you choose to prioritise this. Well, there's the same it.
0: 24 hours for Everyone everybody.
1: has the same 24 hours in a day. And whenever I think I've got a lot on, I think of somebody else who has even more. Sorry?
0: <laughs> Elon Musk. Yes. It, That's yeah, my reference or, all the time. Yeah, oh, Elon I'm not Musk Mark
1: Zuckerberg. I'm not... Um, you know, when when my life started getting really busy, and people were like, oh, how are you going to manage all that? When I took on the law degree and, and various commission seats and all of that, people were saying, oh, how do you, how are you going to manage that? And I was like, I'm not Theresa May, because at the time, British Prime Minister Theresa May was having to go through Brexit, co- the mm. Brexit negotiations in the UK, and she was my reference point. I was like, I'm not, I'm not Theresa May. I don't have the weight of a, of a nation on my shoulders. I'm just trying to manage my own workload. Yeah. So I'm never going to be, you know, I can I can get a little bit stressed and overwhelmed at times, but I'm never going to be one of those people who's like, oh, no, woe is me. I don't have time. I'm so busy. You always have time for yeah. to to do something that you choose to prioritize. So in terms of cooking, um, I go through phases like I mm. literally just did a U Foods order today yeah. because <laughs> it's one of those times when I'm like, oh, I can't I can't. Be asked to. I'm going to be here for for a few weeks now because of COVID. All of my events yeah. are getting cancelled, um, so I'm going to be here for a few weeks. And I know that if I don't, um, if I don't plan ahead and, and have food in the fridge, yeah. then it ends up one more expensive to eating crap. Um, and I can't remember what the third thing was though. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, those things. <laughs> well, you,
0: yeah, because you do get to a point where
1: I'm going to try this tea by the way. Oh
0: yeah, let me know. I'm very okay. interested. This is a proper English tea review. It's probably not strong enough, is it?
1: It could have stayed in like a like thirty seconds longer, but it's great. Well done. I appreciate. I appreciate the cup of tea. Thank, Thank you. Thanks
0: so much. Yeah, look, <laughs> I tasted mine. I was like, yeah, it's not really. That is good. that tea
1: in there as well? A... Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: having a tea with you.
1: Oh great! Not a big tea Jeez. drinker, but
0: you know. The, well, now the...
1: you've got tea bags in your studio. We're
0: we're on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny though because like just a, it seems like maybe a, a random thing of like cooking and food as a as a measure of how busy you are but it's sort of that's like a pretty uh that is a pretty good gauge of i guess the time that you have and like you said though it's priorities you Mm. know because like for me i've been quite busy lately and not too busy but i've exactly what you said like you just choose to prioritize other things and that is something that does take a pretty big chunk of time and i think that when you it's not just food it's like all the things in your life you know like you mm. get quite busy uh doing the the you're uh, fulfilling your ambitions with you know like law and then your career and stuff like that and you do have to borrow from these other places that uh someone that's got a yeah. more you know relaxed schedule or a more traditional schedule. Yeah, you really do have to start to kind of borrow from all these places.
1: Mm. And the other thing is I'm only cooking for one. Mm. And so if you're if you're going out firstly you hate cooking only for myself because there's nobody there to tell me how great it tastes yeah um, true. It's, not, it's not the same i can take a picture and send it to my mate and be like look what i cooked and she'll be like oh my god that looks amazing and then you get no other satisfaction from that and i'm not i'm not the type to be like oh my god i'm so clever <laughs> look at my amazing dish i'm going to blog about it um nobody gives a crap what i'm eating um and Secondly, yeah, it's expensive eating for yourself because you buy enough ingredients for yeah. y- you can't buy ingredients for one meal. You have to buy ingredients for several meals, and then you end up with like eating the same thing three nights in a row, and you're like, that's boring. But yeah, cooking for one is so hard, man.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it's a it's a challenge. For I'm just curious because it's a challenge that I'm trying to get through as well. Mm. At
1: the yeah, you foods. If I know that I'm going to be here for a period of time, mm. so I was supposed to be look going back to like the end of June. I had, um, yeah, a couple couple of weekends at home in June. um, And then it was like last weekend of June through until it should have been like the first weekend of September or last weekend of August or something. I was supposed to have an event on every single week. Mm. um, And all of which would have involved traveling and minimal nights in my own bed, which is how I love life. Um, But yeah, when you know you're going to be away heaps, then I don't invest in Mm. like meals for a week ahead. I'll just whatever is around and shit. Yeah. Uber Eats or I live right above a Woolies Metro which is very convenient mm. um apart from it's always a COVID hotspot Is that you, oh. you go through the list of places and it's always on there Fuck. Yeah, and i like damn it again
0: yeah avoid that place yeah then.
1: yeah it's a pain
0: so busy people like you why why do we because I think the same in my own life I pack way too much shit in and if I could just say no to a few things, I feel like I'd have a way more enjoyable life. But then when I do that, I just don't feel like I enjoy it in the same way. Totally. So why?
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely feel you. So I tried to say no. At the Earlier this year, I was asked to host the Australian Institute of Motorsport Safety Summit. And that's a mouthful and I had to say it a few times. Um, and i said no because it was in the first week of june which for uni is exam period mm. and slash and end of end of semester so your last assignments are due and your exams are just about to start so i said no because it was not great timing and then like a month or two later i got a call saying we really need you to do this <laughs> i was like okay yes and they were like it'll take minimal time it'll take minimal preparation we're not needing much oh by the way you're interviewing Mark Webber Fernando Alonso and Roman Grosjean amongst many other people and mm. hosting eight hours eight and a half hours of live TV and I was like cool okay haven't, like haven't used an auto queue since I was like 21 um, and uh, yep cool we'll just we'll roll with it and it was like a first time event it had people tuning in from all over the world like it was a, you know, in, international motorsport safety summit um and i was like oh my god i tried to say no and i didn't say no and you know i ended up saying yes in hindsight so happy i did it Mm. but um yeah those why do we do it to ourselves i i do it because i love um i love the challenge and Mm. i love I love moving around. I love like I'm a motorsport gypsy. So (laughs) it's any, any opportunity to live out of a suitcase and being, be on the road for whatever, but mostly motorsport is it's my life. It's what I love doing. Um, I hate being in the same place for longer than like a few days at a time. (laughs) If I could live out of a suitcase the whole time and live in hotels and, and going around the place, then, then I would, then I would, it's when I'm happiest, absolutely happiest when moving. And, um, trying to cram as much in as possible it keeps me i, I like to always have something on like you mm. get home from the end of a day if i've been in the office for a day at triple eight then i'll come home and you know i'll watch i'll put on an episode of friends or something just to like switch my mind to have that have that transition period from triple eight ahead and then switch it to like law or or one of the commissions or something that that i work on or tv or whatever i've got coming up um, so it's always having something to keep my keep my head occupied have something to look forward to have a full diet yeah it's just it's addictive i find it really addictive and then when all this covid stuff started kicking off in melbourne and sydney um and all these events started getting cancelled it honestly makes me really it makes it gets me really down and it's not having that stuff to look forward to every week it just makes me feel it makes me feel really low knowing that i'm not or not, not knowing when I'm next going to be packing a suitcase and going somewhere. And I know that there's nothing that we can do about it, so you don't, you don't project that, yeah. how down you feel and how low you feel on anyone else, because everyone's going through the same shit dealing with this COVID stuff, and we're not in lockdown. You know how lucky are we yeah. to be up here and not in lockdown? But you still not having those next things to to look forward to and knowing when you're next going to be around your rally people or your yeah. or your tcr people or your supercars people or whatever it's um having a long stretch of weekends ahead i'm like oh, no i'm not i'm not one of those people who lives for the weekend it's yeah i'm, I'm happiest when i'm working and happiest when i'm when i'm always occupied and People like, oh, when do you make time for like social life and friends and things? And I'm like, I make time for it's all encompassing. It it is, yeah. yeah, it's, It's all encompassing, and and the and the social life that I have, I fit it in around. You know, I'll make sure that. My, I've got a handful of non-motorsport friends who are completely like removed from it, which is yeah. great. You need those friends who like reality check. All you're doing is driving cars around in circles as fast yeah. as you can. It's not the be all and end yeah. all.
0: Barely cool.
1: <laughs> it's cool, but it's not life-changing. You yeah. know, it's not, you know, is if, if the pandemic shut down everything tomorrow, people wouldn't... You know, people wouldn't die if our sport didn't go ahead. Love Mm. it. Absolutely love it. But it's not. At the end of the day, all we're doing is getting cars from A to B as fast as we can. Mm. Um, But, you know, you make time for those friends. And even though I've got a lot going on, then I'll say, okay, I know I can do dinner on Tuesday in three weeks time. So we'll lock in Tuesday in three weeks time because I know that even though I feel stressed and busy and whatever, Having that time with those friends, have making time for that side of your social life is so important. It's it, you know keeping time for your for your social life is part of mental health and keeping sane and keeping reality check on things.
0: Yeah, it's um it, it's a weird lifestyle because I feel like we have very well we've lived very similar lifestyles I guess. Um, more more days for me now, like because of the studio i'm pretty like locked in to sort of staying around here um but that whole motorsports gypsy like yep
1: yep been there done that you did it in america yeah 100 yeah.
0: percent. there's just something yeah it's a weird like uh it's a weird compulsion almost you know and like Manji mom's a perfect example like that was the biggest fuck around <laughs> like, <laughs> like that we we took two weeks to have a weekend you know and it was just like you spent three days in the car there (laughs) (laughs) three days there and then you spend six days and then it's another three days back and it was the best trip ever but it's like you're so busy to make that happen and it's so crammed and it's like this stressful thing but i don't know you just i feel like compelled to just over and over and over like that's what is fun to fill up the time and it's funny people they now might only just be seeing that because we're like filming it nowadays and actually showing Mm. people but this is all we've ever done is you go to these races and it takes a few days to get there and then you're there and you're living out of a a van or you're camping at the track and i don't know there's just something that is so rad about that experience that you'll kind of I don't know. There's a bunch of shit in my life that's in shambles. <laughs> <because> <laughs> Do you feel of it, you like you have a
1: low on the other side of that? Like, does the event finish and you're like, oh man?
0: No, uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, right. I'm not sure. I that get I, lows. I've of I that. get
1: i i get lows after events. I get like post rally blues or post Bathurst blues or whatever it might be. Which you know,
0: you know what? I was watching the videos that we put out. I was watching them last night, and uh, I was watching the the racing and really being like, oh god that was good like i can't mm. already can't wait to go back yet next year so i guess in a sense i kind of do but yep. I, I haven't yeah i've never really thought of it like that so but you don't
1: you, feel like it's the blues
0: nah well, I, that's good <laughs> yeah I, don't, I just i can't wait to get to get back there mm. but i guess in a sense there's kind of always another thing like we've got the we're going to rocky in a couple weeks yeah so we've got like this race in rockhampton so i guess if i didn't have that then maybe, but the the interesting thing is, this period since February last year, I haven't got on a plane, so that's the yeah, longest right since. So I wow. didn't. How are you
1: going with that? I actually,
0: don't fucking love it. It's oh. been sick. Uh, love I don't I, don't, I don't like planes, and <laughs> oh, like okay. I, I mean, not to... I guess you would have done it an equal amount, I'm sure, but that's definitely something I've done enough of (laughs) but Mm. I found myself just as busy with other things I thought that when I stayed home and I that element of like just easy traveling and flying everywhere I thought that would slow things down but it's kind of become clear to me that I'm just not that person
1: no would you want to be that person
0: sometimes I would think that it would be better because like we said you know there's there's certain sacrifices that you have to make like other parts of your life that you sacrifice to have those things so i guess in a way i guess that would be balance though right like just trying to balance it out but Mm. it seems like way more fun to not have that (laughs) that balance
1: yeah i know that ultimately it ultimately i know that even though going racing every other weekend means that I miss out on friends' birthdays or mm. weddings or engagement parties or whatever it might be, all this really adult stuff that all my friends are doing and I'm not. <laughs> you miss out on all that kind of thing. But um, I ultimately think, am I happy? So, so say this weekend, my um, I've got a friend who was moving. She's relocating down to the Gold Coast. Um, so the girls had drinks with uh they had drinks at one the other girl's houses and I missed that because we were up in Townsville but um and it, as sad as I am to have missed her leaving drinks and getting together with that group of friends I think would am I happier in Townsville going racing yes absolutely that's yeah. that's a massive tick for me is that I can look at I could have done A or I could have done B and I know that I'm happier doing A yeah so that's ultimately how I'm it up, yeah, it's disappointing when you can't get to certain things, but yeah. um, I never feel like I'm being forced into doing anything. Instead, it's always a choice.
0: Yeah. So, what's the juice in racing for you? Like, because well, you're not driving the car when you go to Townsville, and and there is this, there is a juice that comes from that squeeze of like going there mm. and grinding, being a part of the team, and it's not, I guess you could say like there'd be juice that comes from triple eight but in terms of just motorsport because you're so active in the community like what's the juice for you
1: yeah such a good question i've been asked that a couple of times usually when drunk (laughs) 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 but yeah the um you're right i don't i don't drive so people are like oh so why why do you have such a passion for it and um and although earlier i said you know if it's we're essentially we're getting from a to b as fast as we can Mm. and that's all it really is oh my god it's like but it's the best thing in the world yes that's that's all it fundamentally comes down to but i absolutely love it so for me racing is it's about the people um i don't necessarily class myself as a people person but then i thought about this the other day and you think where if if you're kind of if you're driving along and your mind wanders off where does your mind go to does it go to people or processes mm. and my mind goes to people and that's how i figured that actually I'm, as much as i deny i am a people person mm. <laughs> um, that's interesting and yeah i d- i found that and i was like i came up with that myself
0: people people <laughs> or processes yeah yeah okay.
1: that's how you work out if you that's how you think about whether you're a people person or not so yeah. i was like ultimately i am a people person as much as i try and deny that i'm a people person yeah um but yeah in motorsport it's the people we all have to have the same collective desire to dig that little bit deeper to push that a little bit harder to get the car across the line faster than the next person did and to make everything as sharp as we possibly can and i'm competitive so that's you know i can't imagine life not involved in some kind of sport i've worked i've dabbled in different industries that haven't had a competitive edge and it's just not for me yeah but it comes back to um the exhilaration of sport and with motorsport it's i love that it the car's out on track and the people watching it only see the driver um they don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes it's such a massive team sport yeah um and it sounds cliche but at triple eight we are a family um i I can definitely
0: attest to that
1: we spend so much time together you have to be um
0: i've been around i haven't been around other v8 race teams as much um but just through Red Bull um I've been around that garage um more than any other team and you Mm. know you get to know people in the organization and that's exactly how it does come across it is yeah it is cliche to say it but Mm. that's that that is how it seems
1: yeah I hope so and I hope that we make everybody else feel everyone who comes into our garage or into a workshop I really want them to feel like they're part of the family Mm. as well and that's so important to me um but in terms of yeah the the juice that drives the motorsport passion i think somewhere it has to be you have to kind of be a racing person again another cliche you know you talk about people being racing people or not racing people and um yeah you can definitely pick up a love for it but i was i've been exposed to it from a young age through family and although Mm. i lost touch with it um when my dad moved over to australia um so i had from about the age of like I know 12 till I was 17-ish. I was a bit, you know, I lost touch with it. Still followed some motorsport to some degree, but certainly not as involved as I had been as a kid. And then re-found it when I was 17, when um, I went over to Bahrain for the supercars race there. Yeah. Um, and saw what it was, you know, saw what it was all about. Got to go in the garage, watch, watch a few races. It wasn't a great race. It was three races. First race, we dnf'd both cars first lap that's good <laughs> yeah it was, it was a great great start great weekend Quali- qualified terribly and then yeah both cars out first lap first race um but then craig went on to finish fifth in the next race and first in the last race so yeah. that was that was all right um and yes i still remember all those race results from 2007 <laughs> but the yeah that kind of that just reignited it all for me yeah. i was like that was the best weekend ever and it was already planned that i would come out to australia and work as a mechanic when i was 18 just turned 18 and i just couldn't wait i was so excited couldn't wait to be around all those people like i just felt like i i connected with all those people so much they i feel like i'd connect to australians as well um maybe better than English people <laughs> I think we
0: are just the better English people
1: <laughs> yeah I do yeah I agree with got, that. I can say that I hold multiple we, passports so I can I can say that yeah you're both <laughs>
0: but you know we got the good country we got mm. the good people we got the good weather I always I remember uh, I had to do like a bit of a visa run so I flew flew from Florida to uh, the UK and I'd been shooting this documentary with this uh, English band and then we did this tour and then I went back and then I did this visa thing so the tour manager for this band was like mate just come and stay at mine you know I was like all right sweet where do you live (laughs) Doncaster and I was like sweet all right sounds good middle of fucking winter I spent three weeks in Doncaster and I was just like what the fuck were they doing (laughs) sending convicts to Australia they should have kept all of the fucking people that they didn't like in England and then shipped everybody else to Australia. I was like, you guys completely fucked this whole yeah. thing up.
1: Can you imagine me a conflict, con- conflict? A convict rocking up in Australia and being like, man, oh, I hit the jackpot, dude. Sweet. Oh,
0: wait, there's a thing called summer?
1: <laughs> okay, there's an awful lot of history that we're ignoring there. But yes, the principle, the principle <laughs> yeah. of starting a life in Australia is, um, yes, it's, something i feel very privileged that i've been able to do um it's it wasn't the easiest like people just assume that because my dad's here i could come here but he missed the window for getting my sister and me residency so we had to jump through a few hoops and pretending that i was doing a master's degree when i wasn't and there was a danger that if they found that out then i could have my temporary visa and then my residency revoked and you know it wasn't it wasn't the smoothest sailing but i got my passport now so ha i can say this
0: now (laughs) come get me (laughs) uh the the cool thing too i think with racing um that i've thought about a lot recently is that let's use triple eight for an example that's like the best team in the pit one of the best teams in the v8 supercar paddocks all right so to get to that level of organization requires really great people Mm. and I think that what becomes so addictive about being a part of a race team that performs at a high level is that you are surrounded by these really great people, whether it's great drivers, great engineers, great mechanics, like everybody that is in that organization has been picked it's like a natural selection process you know like evolution of of that race team means that every new employee is better and better and better and the culture gets better Mm. and i think that that's a big part of it as well and there's an accountability of being kind of to the right of somebody great and to the left of somebody great and then you feel like you need to kind of be as much a part of that so i think that That's a a big thing. So when you say people, I think that that is a huge factor of it is that you're just around these high-level achievers. And when people say, like, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time around, it's like, man, there's a whole organisation of people that you're around that is going to kind of lift you up as well. And then that everybody's feeding off everybody.
1: Yeah, we have – it's definitely – a process of making sure that you've got the that you've got the best people but also that the culture brings out the culture of the organization brings out the best in those people.
2: Yeah.
1: So we we've still got a handful of employees who've been there since 2003 when we when my dad first took over the team and started Triple Eight Race Engineering over here. So it was in the UK in the in the 90s. Um that was when he started it in the 90s. Um, in the British Touring Car Championship. Bought a team over here in 2003. And so Mark Dutton, our team manager. Um, Jeremy Moore, um, technical director, although he did leave for a bit, uh, worked for Porsche in Germany for five years in the middle. Um, Kenny Mack at KRE, who does our engines. There's a yeah, there's a, there's a a core group of people. Ty Freel who's number one mechanic on Jamie's car. They've yep. all been there since 2003. And they're there because not only through loyalty but because they're high performers mm. and they know how to instill that culture of high performance in the other people around them so yeah. then it's making sure that the other people lift their game they have to have high performance coming in they have yeah. to have the yeah. right mentality and attitude um but are you all right <laughs> having a few shunts <laughs> under the table <laughs> um it's a case of yeah making sure that we identify in each of those people how to bring out the best in them yeah. um, and that becomes harder as generations change so at the moment i can look at our organization and say we don't have we've got exceptional staff retention um of the vast majority of our staff and and the longevity of time that they've been there but we don't have such great staff retention um of younger generations yeah. um and that's there is a definite at generational attitude shift of the people who we're bringing in from university now or yeah. you know within the last few years come out of university um and so we're needing to adapt our culture to bring out the best in those people because yeah. they there's more focus on work life balance and there's more um there's more focus on what an employer. It's not only what you can bring to the organisation. It's what the organisation can do for you as yeah. well. You know, it's not a privilege to work at Triple Eight Race Engineering, where we try to make it a great place to work, and that comes a lot from winning races. Yeah. But equally, we need to we need to recognise that if they can find better work life balance and a better better pay packet, more reasonable hours somewhere else, then they're probably going to take it. Yeah. It's not. We can't just rely on how cool it is to work in motorsport anymore yeah. to to guarantee that they'll stay with us forever. And that's a process that um, Jamie Winkup and I are kind of working through at the moment as to how we how we work that into Triple Eight's next era, which is kind of we're in that transition phase yeah. at the moment, which is interesting.
0: Yes, that's very interesting that you say that. So there's a thing so for me in the motocross world like that's sort of where I come from is more so two wheels but that is like the culture within the industry is like well you know you want to work in the industry right like you want to get some free tires and some free gear and then sort of there's a bit of a culture within that industry of you know you you just get these young kids that'll do it for free essentially and then you know they'll kind of grow up and do their thing and then when they realize that they want some real money and that they want to actually buy a house and that there's it's not really going anywhere then mm-hmm. the next kids coming up that wants the gear for free and the, like it's a kind of a weird sort of culture and then you end up i've noticed that there's a lot of companies where you where you end up with guys that that's just how they started there's no real degrees in the sport there's no real there's no like legitimate uh, outside
1: qualification.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. almost. Yeah, it's like there's people aren't really coming in um, from outside the industry, bringing their skills and expertise. It's sort of, it's sort of such a bottom up, which mm. I think is really good in a way. But then I also think you just end up with that constant turnover people. of people that yeah. that you know, it's like you'll get these new kids that come up that just want the free parts and the free gear. Mm. It's it's not a real some career type deal you know and i think it's a problem because people want to work in motorsport so i think that you guys can identify that yes it is cool to work for triple eight racing but you can't just sell it on the cool like mm. this has to stand alone as a, a as a great organization to work for it's got to go both ways and it, it become like a real company that real people work for and you can have a real future
1: yeah i've i've kind of developed a little motto for myself that when i say it to other people kind of more outside of triple eight they they understand we can't have our culture shouldn't be based on winning races we should be winning races because of having a good culture Mm. and now that we're going through this interesting transition period and expansion i mean if if anyone had said to us this time last year that triple eight race engineering would be expanding you know in the middle of COVID when
3: yeah. Um,
1: yeah, we're just starting to go racing again, but we just finished developing ventilators for the government and working yeah, on them for yeah. the WHO and things. Incredible period of diversification, but you know we didn't think that it would lead to yeah. um, leasing a new workshop and investing in $1.5 million worth of new equipment and machinery um, and, and new people and training staff up, which is a really exciting period. But yeah, if anyone had said that this time last year, I would have been like... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What what a fucking laugh, man. (laughs) Um but then we're going through that at the moment and it's a really interesting period of how do we manage that expansion Mm. and that growth. And actually this is now when we need to bring people in from outside of motorsport because currently um you know, you're talking about how you it's always the same people coming up and, and, you know, it's the same circle over and over again. Yeah. But and that results in the same kind of people. You're not bringing in different ways of thinking. You're not you're not getting the the diversity from from outside. Yeah. And that then ultimately leads to a lack of innovation. So yeah. one of the key things I think to bringing we, we work in an industry that is that survives on being innovative and forward thinking. Yeah. And Yeah, If you don't have a diverse workplace and if you don't have um injections of new ways of thinking then you're going to fall behind in terms of innovation you need that diversity of thinking in order to be innovative yeah and that's why it's so important to be able to bring in those different ways of thinking and pull people in from elsewhere and this expansion has required us to bring people in who have specialist knowledge of these machines and equipment from outside of motorsport because nobody yeah nobody within motorsport is doing what we're doing and very few people outside of motorsport are doing what we're doing we're investing in machinery that doesn't exist in australia let alone queensland yeah so we need the people from outside to to come in and they're not going to have the same mentality as As we do in motorsport, of you know, on on a race weekend, you work stupid hours when you have to.
2: Yeah, we're
1: trying. It's it's got a lot better. Um, COVID has forced us to cut our cloth accordingly, and that's definitely been a good thing. But um, yeah, still, if if you need to dig deep and you need to do an all nighter to get a car on track the next day, you do it. Um, and and that's just the way it is. And people coming in from outside don't necessarily have that mindset. Yeah. So there's a definite difference between um you know like if if you look at the hours that people do if you're if you're race team because you value value your weekends you'd rather dig deep and work until stupid o'clock in the morning to get a car in the transporter because it means a weekend at home um whereas if you're um if you're not on race team and you're predominantly um, manufacturing focused, you might want to come in and work a weekend because you know that when it gets to four thirty, you want to go home and spend time with your family in the evenings. Yeah. So it's it's different ways of thinking, um, and both there's there's no wrong or right way, um, but it's kind of it's finding the the balance of um, keeping keeping everyone happy in a very yeah. different workplace. It's a really interesting challenge, and it's something that. I'm enjoying um, understanding more and sinking my teeth into more over the next few years.
0: Yeah. Because there, there's definitely, when you work for a race team, it isn't a normal job. Tea's finished. Is it when was yeah, it? Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. Okay. Got cool. better
1: with every gulp.
0: Oh, perfect. Until Thank it got you cold so on that last one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, working on a race team is not a normal job. and. Mm. I mean, fuck, it's there's a. I, I guess there's a lot of jobs that require you to go above and beyond, but when you sign up to work for a race team, I mean, it's a collective. Like mm. it just is what it is. The car has to be on the track at this time. And yeah, J Dub might put it in the wall in quality. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you're, that's you're,
1: never happened yeah. before Adelaide yeah. <laughs> 2018.
0: <laughs> but, you know, that's, that. yep, you're fucked now. Your weekend's yeah. gone or like any sleep, any, like mm-hmm. it, it is a weird environment and you kind of do have to be prepared for that. And it's one of those things where, yeah, you say work-life balance. It's like, ugh, I get it, but it's probably not the job fit for, for you.
1: Yeah yeah and what i I actually really don't like the idea of work-life balance because um i think it was stephen fry if anyone's familiar with stephen fry he's he's british um uh, he's he says that he doesn't believe in work-life balance because if you've got your balance right then there should be no such thing as work-life balance Mm -hmm. um you should be doing something you love enough for that to be what you class as life and I'm a massive believer in that but not everyone is fortunate to have that you know there are there are yeah. jobs that have to be done in the world that people aren't passionate about they don't get excited about waking up every day and and going and doing like probably we both of us are lucky enough to do and actually i've, I've been thinking a lot about that recently is that it, i'm so fortunate to love what i do and also in in my not my role but my lifestyle i'm so lucky to have the flexibility that i do so when i've you know, three three years ago, whatever it was, when I was like, hmm, I feel like doing a law degree. I have the flexibility in yeah. a business that I own or part own to say, okay, guys, I'm going to be part-time in the office because I'm also doing a law degree. And now that um, I'm doing the law degree, uh, like the way that my units have rolled out, I'm actually only going to be doing like part-time uni now until I finish, which is, should be in a year's time. Um, full-time back at 888. But then I have the flexibility to say, okay, well, I'm, doing the channel 7 broadcast for the TCR round this weekend or I'm doing the 7 broadcast for rally or this weekend I'm you know I'm down here hosting this for that person or I'm doing a panel for that but per- I, I have that flexibility yeah um oh, and I'm not I'm not going to be in until you know 9am tomorrow because I've been up till 3am doing a commission meeting with Europe or yeah. whatever it might be and and that kind of I'm so so lucky to have that flexibility that. That not everyone does. I mean, I'm reading a book at the moment um, about a lawyer in. Well, she's a lawyer and a writer um, about my age. I think she's a couple of years younger um, in Brisbane. And oh, really? She, um, yeah, it's actually it's a really heavy hitting book. It's called Eggshell Skull. Um, What's but, the book about? Uh, it's predominantly about. Um, hmm. It's, it's about her own experience with. Um, with being molested as a kid yeah and it's all about how she um she's been exposed in her position as a judge's associate and working the district court to hearing all of these absolutely fucking awful cases of um uh rape and um sexual harassment and molestation and child pornography and all this Uh. awful awful stuff and it's such a heavy hitting book um but I feel like, especially as a law student, it's important for me to. Read. It's important for for anyone to read because it really shines a light on how our justice system treats, mm-hmm. um, treats sexual harassment and rape and, um, sexual abuse and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I can't remember why we got onto that book. Hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. what, what, what Important important book, but I can't remember why I was talking about that book now. Something
0: about doing law. Yeah. How on earth did we get here? What are we? What are we talking about there? Can you help us out at all? (laughs) Zoned out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just got engrossed by that book. I was like, yeah,
1: no, it's um, it's a, it's a really, it's a really hard hitting Mm. book. Um, but yeah, something about law and court. So we're work-life balance. Yeah, and
0: then you're very Um, lucky that you. Uh, I've got this to uh, you're able to do your degree what What? Yeah. so all right, let's just completely let's go. just
1: leave that let's <laughs> just leave it for now <laughs> we'll, we'll come there. back to that and knowing but, me in like three days time will be like oh my god Jason, I've just remembered <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, why do a law degree with everything else that you've got going on
1: uh, so it was 2018 when I decided to do it and I feel like it's something that is it suits my brain and if if I had wanted to go to uni when I went to uni the first time, when I was 18, 18 19, um, I should have done law, but I didn't want to go to uni, so it never even factored as something that I should do um, because law is not the kind of thing to do if you don't want to be there. Um, mm. It's fairly intense. Um, so the, the kind of the way it flowed was i woke up one day and just went oh it was it was kind of brewing like a gut feeling was brewing over the course of two weeks that i should that it's something that i should look at and when i get those gut feelings i know that i have to follow them like it's very rare i can pinpoint times in my life when i've had these gut feelings mm-hmm. and gone that is absolutely the right thing to do and i just woke up one day i went yep i need to i need to do a law degree um and it kind of, I think what triggered it, and I can't say that there was an exact pattern of thought that got me there, but I think what triggered it was that at the time we'd been working on a big deal at Triple Eight that would have seen us running a third car. So Craig Lowndes had been running in the third car. Yeah. Um, and we would have carried on that, um, that car for a female driver. And it would have been a female-led team. So I would have been team manager. We would have had a female engineer. Um, but that all fell through with like... Uh, two days to go before the deadline of finding the budget. And we had said, we need to, this is our deadline. It was like 7th of September. Um, we need to find $3 million and that will be, that's our hard deadline. If we don't find it, if we don't have it done, then we're not doing it. And two days before, um, a million of that went out the window. So it was, you can't find a million dollars in two days, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that all came to that all fell through and i think i just felt stale i thought i felt like i can't go back to i can't go back to just doing what i was doing knowing that i could have been learning i had this massive opportunity of learning and growing and doing something different and then to have that taken away from me made me feel really empty and i know that as soon as i feel stale i have to challenge myself in some way i look back at um 20 so I was media manager for the team 2013, absolutely loved it. Came into 2014 thinking, oh, I could do this forever. Obviously not knowing much about myself at the time because I was only 23, 24. Um and then funnily enough by um by the first round, I was like
2: okay, I'm done. so yeah, <laughs> yeah, so
1: how can what's my next step? I need to always be doing something different. And then I started looking at, okay, what else can I what else can I do? Anyway, ultimately in 2015, ended up working TV production for 6 months not even that long i don't think um and just went i can't i needed i needed that challenge that next the shock to the system to do something different and challenge myself and stop that feeling of feeling stale because yeah. i identified that i identified that although i was happy i wasn't really happy like yeah. you could be so happy going going racing but was i really feeling like i was learning and and achieving and challenging myself no and that's not when i'm really happy so i needed to go and do something else rediscover how much I love motorsport and remember that that's what I came to this country to do Um, and yeah how much you learn about yourself in those situations is so valuable so anyone who says anyone who's brutally honest about you know that's not necessarily you know this isn't what I thought it was going to be I'm not learning about myself or I've learned something about myself that I didn't know then I have complete respect for that if they can sit with me in, in a meeting room and say it's not you know I've been in this job for three months and I'm not happy and um it's not it's i've experienced it and it's not what i want to do i've learned this about myself and i'm like respect to you i've been through exactly that i know exactly how you feel so we'll do whatever we can to support you as long as you don't leave us high and dry (laughs)
0: yeah yeah um the 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 thing to be always learning i've seen in my own life i probably didn't think ever that much of it until maybe the last few years when I started doing jiu-jitsu and I just figured that I was like obsessed with learning about shit mm. and I I guess maybe I'd got to the point where I'd been doing the film thing for 10 years like I guess that's like a legitimate career you know like you do something for 10 years you'd get long service leave mm. and then like motocross I've been doing that my whole life and I I felt Stale. I I wasn't, I didn't even look at it through the lens of learning. And then as soon as I started doing jujitsu, the learning curve was just so incredibly steep. And I'm guessing maybe that's something similar with law. Like you throw Mm. yourself into something that is just a like completely new exposure. That definitely, I I look back at my life. I'm like, oh man, you have always prioritized learning. Like I was a kind of guy that a new camera would come out I buy a new camera I knew every single button on that camera within the first 2 days of owning mm. it and then I'd some I'd you know get a new product I'd buy a manual on it I'd read the thing so it just wasn't until I had something like jujitsu that was right in front of me that was so hard to learn there was so much there to learn that I realized that that actually was such a valuable thing yep. in my life and now I've just try and look through that lens of of learning, and I mean, I think that you can learn super valuable lessons in extremely random places.
1: Totally, you know, and, and learning, learning, and challenging yourself takes so many different shapes and sizes. Mm. I think as kids, we're taught that learning is going to school learning mm. is a formal education but that's not all it is that's just one way of learning um and that's where i hope that in years to come the education system gets more diverse and actually we'll have so many more valuable people in the world if we tailor the education system mm. to better suit each of those people who's coming through you can't there's so much one size fits all but it doesn't yeah. and we'll, how imagine the possibilities if we stop trying to make everyone fit into the same box yeah and yeah you're exactly right so you you know your way your style of learning is more down the avenue or might i don't know more or less i don't know you're like, were you a good student at school uh,
0: <laughs> i was a smart student at school but i wasn't a good student at school Mm. i think that's oh
1: you're one of those irritating people who didn't have to work hard and still got amazing grades
0: i didn't get amazing grades but i worked exactly hard enough to keep everybody around me semi happy Mm. and then i just did not want any bar of it outside of that but uh the the thing that i think people should know is that if you want to learn something Learn through what you're interested in. Yeah, like you have to follow an interest. Interest precede learning, and I think that as soon as like Maddie, like you've worked with Maddie on my brother on a professional level. Yep, he was so fucking bad at school. Like I can't even tell you how bad he was at school to the point where I've said this to him before. But when he was like, "Oh, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna manage athletes. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do." I was like, "Dude, you can't fucking read." Like what do you think like what are you thinking? Like But
1: he's smart enough to have started his own business that's doing bloody well.
0: He is fucking killing it. Yeah. You know why? He was interested. Yeah. So he was not interested at school. There was it was not it and and the problem, like exactly what you just said, is that you get put into this system and then if you don't fit into that system, Maddie thought he was dumb. Mm. I thought he was dumb. You yeah. know what I mean? You get the you're a product of that system and when you don't fit in the box exactly what you just said when you don't fit into that box then you get put on the outside of that box yeah. you're an outsider you're not that you're not a uh, quote-unquote smart person smart yeah. people mm-hmm. are the ones that do good at school so here's this kid that spent his whole fucking life thinking he was dumb because of the system that motherfucker's smart man you yeah. know he's really killing it and he when he first started, mum would have to proofread his emails, like but dude, years and years like he has gotten to be a very legitimate businessman now. And mm. he's super one successful. One of
1: The most highly respected people in our industry within motorsport in Australia now. Crazy. Yeah. Dude
0: couldn't fucking read. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: my dad's the same. Like he my dad who started Triple Eight race engineering and is like one of the most successful businessmen oh, yeah. in, you know, I can't put a parameter on it, but extremely successful businessman, he doesn't have an exam result to, to put to his name. I mean, he was put into boarding school for one year when he was a kid, hated it, and was a complete menace and, you know, not not in the slightest of what you would call a good student. Um, and so he was the only one of his um there were five brothers and sisters in his family Mm. he's the only one who didn't get to go to private school the only one who didn't get a degree i think all of his brothers and sisters have like at least two degrees or something crazy like that um he's the only one who didn't get more than like o levels which is what the uh, qualifications were in the uk back then yeah um and now you know he's he's, yeah (laughs) quite a successful businessman yeah but i think i think he,
0: he was interested
1: yeah exactly it was something that that took his interest and i it makes me really sad to think of all the people in the world over the years and into the future who might miss out on opportunities of identifying something that they're really good at or something that they really love just because the system hasn't given them the capacity so true. to discover it yeah and it yeah it breaks my heart a bit thinking of all the of all the talent that's wasted because it hasn't been given the opportunity to be discovered yeah. but also then you think about yourself i'm like what what would i be really good at if i had been given you know what if i could be like a world champion dart player or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if i had just been given the opportunity to be a dart player when i was kid, i mean absolutely no chance but you know you know the kind of where well, there i'm are going lots of pubs like, in england yeah, actually, yes. This is a good point. You know, I do remember playing darts as as a kid, and I was no good then. So maybe I should figure skater. What if I could have been a world champion figure there skater, and I was just never given, you know, I never had the opportunity to discover that.
0: Very true. Mm. We'll never know.
1: Yeah, but what, like, what would you have been? What could you have been if you had been given the opportunity?
0: Well, you know what's funny? I reckon I could have been a lot better at the shit I love my whole life if I uh, was, if I knew what I knew now. Mm.
1: That's, yeah. the, uh, that's the.
0: That's <laughs> the. I guess the Well, dy- at
1: least you know that you're doing what you love then.
0: Yeah, well the thing is is like I'm I guess nowadays I'm applying those lessons to the things that are relevant now. Yeah. Like I'm there's no crying over the fact that I'm not a professional <laughs> motocross rider, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah But I, I feel like through life and learning, I'm like, Man, I feel like I could I honestly feel like now with everything that I've been through in thirty three years, I could have the rug pulled out from underneath me, start from zero, and I'd get back to where I am now. Mm. And I think that there's just lessons that you learn along the way and uh, certain, like, application of, like, simple formulas um, that I think would, like, get me back to where I am. But learning those lessons, like that's, like, the apprenticeship that I guess that you do um, yeah. to... Yeah, like you figure out those. I, I just I don't think I think the formula to be good at anything is the formula to be good at everything. If that makes sense, it's just like the way that it's yeah. applied.
1: Yeah, I kind of get it. The, like a <laughs> this,
0: like the same mindset that would make. Um, so for me, like let's just say this podcast, right? The same mindset and the the way that I treat this podcast to make it quote unquote successful. I think that if I applied the exact same amount of hours that i do the and let's say i could go back to being a 15 year old kid or whatever i could apply that same. i think i could be professional at motocross or yeah. if i did that in jiu-jitsu i think that mm. there's a formula for quote unquote success i think that the uh the exact processes or the exact you know application would be different but in terms of like underneath it all the foundation of what makes people successful i think you can kind of apply it to anything
1: do you think that that's a personal thing or do you think it's kind of the same like is your formula for success the same as like my dad's formula for success i
0: feel it'd be very similar i think that there would be uh there would be deviances from it just based on like i probably don't have to learn how to use the machinery that your dad would have earlier in Mm. the day but in the same way like i learned how to set up the studio I, th- I think that everything there is like a kind of a basic formula to it and like, like a headspace like I'm sure like I every day I just get up and I come in here like a professional person and now I'm here until I have got my things done and then I go home I don't care what hour it is i don't care how much time i have to spend if i lose a project and i have to re-edit it all again you just do it and i feel like you know you could replace that with anything that you know your dad has been through it Mm. learning a new piece of equipment having something fail on the car and then rebuilding it so i think that there's there is i guess a maybe you'd call like a blueprint or like a real underlying thing it's like if you if you tick these boxes For enough of a period of time then you will kind of get to where you want to be
1: yeah do you have a routine
0: i do now yeah
1: do you enjoy routine
0: okay i'll ask you this first (laughs) (laughs) what is your stance on that and do you have routines that you do do you like routine i'll give you my answer after
1: so i thought of it because you hear (laughs) you hear like people's you read stuff for example you about what makes somebody successful like a a big business person or whoever and they might say oh I have the exact same routine I wake up at this time every morning I check my emails and then I exercise and then I have this for breakfast and they have like the same routine Every day, unless they're traveling or whatever, but they try and stick to that routine. Yeah. that is my idea of hell, and why? I I hate routine. Oh, okay. The um, it's I can completely see why it is beneficial for a lot of people and yep, why a lot yep. of successful people have that. Maybe that means I'll never be successful because I can't stick to a routine. But it's I think especially during COVID last year, during the time that Brisbane was in lockdown, it just I discovered that routine is just not for me, like the it's I hate it, I love knowing that every day is going to be different, and if I can look back on a week and not know whether something happened on a Wednesday or a Friday, then I'll be like, well, clearly my week was too similar like yeah. i had all all the days in my week were were too similar, and they just it doesn't mean that they one's less significant than the other, yeah. but um you know, like having. I love going racing because it breaks up, and it might end up in you working god knows how many days in a row, and that's happened several times over the years. Where I can look back at the end of like six weeks and go, "Yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've had a day off in a while." Yeah, Um, but that's that's absolutely fine with me. But every single day has been different in some way, um, or you might have three days in the office, but then do something, you yeah. know, be out of the office for whatever or be traveling for something else. And yeah, that that constant knowing that each day is going to be different in some way. That's, I, I live, off, live off that shit. It's so good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I've had a very interesting, uh, I guess, experience with routine or like my mindset's changed around it. So mm. my idea of freedom and like the my whole concept of why i wanted to work for myself and it was so i could avoid routine (laughs) i wanted to avoid routine oh
1: the irony i sent sent some irony coming
0: like the absolute plague i was like that is how you are free you can Mm -hmm. do anything at any time that's freedom this is why i work for myself that's like that's the juice right so that just didn't really work for me (laughs) and it was like it wasn't until there it is there's the irony so covid right this is when i started playing with routine because it was the first time in my life where my wings got clipped yeah you know i'd been i had been so free and in terms of i guess experience that's when between like 18 when i first kind of left and started filming and started that career till I was 28 when I basically got grounded I got I come back to Australia the pod I started the podcast I was like look I'm just gonna do this now and I was definitely like man I didn't I couldn't even tell you how many countries I've been in Mm. like I would have forgotten countries that I've been to yeah so I definitely lived that and then I come back and then it was still pretty free like I was going to Thailand to train I was just I was flitting around, you know, like that was my idea of how things should be.
1: Sounds amazing. Yeah, it was good.
0: <laughs> and then COVID came around and I started just falling into this routine and uh, I got re- really into meditation over the last few years. And then I sort of started, I guess, seeing things differently and I started seeing the value of a structure because work started getting better finances Mm -hmm. started getting better i seemed like i was in more control of things and that was kind of i was like okay this is worth sticking to so i sort of kept the routine going and then i read a book called atomic habits I don't yeah, know. Ever, I know
1: of it. I haven't. I've you because one
0: hundred percent read. It's fucking okay. incredible. It's honestly like a life changing book. Yeah. I talk about it all the time.
1: My um Audible always recommends it to me because it mm. like fits in with the type of books that I've read. But it's one of those ones where I feel like it's really cliche, so I don't. No, nah, the dude. <laughs> but clearly, is, it's cliche for a reason. oh the dude's brilliant.
0: <laughs> like it's it's, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of that book. noted but um, we'll
1: add it to my wish list. Yes.
0: So he he basically said that. You can only ever rise to the level of your processes. And you would know that in a race team. Mm, So the processes that you have... Pit stop, perfect example. You know, you've got processes in place and it is down to the fucking millimeter where the rattle gun is, who's got the tire, the gloves, everything that they do is so routined. Mm. That's where freedom actually lies. Freedom lies when you've got no other option so (laughs) so he said in in this book he said you can only rise to the level of your processes yeah and like even here you know like me and rones like we're constantly working on processes processes how do we get the maximum amount of content out of each podcast to give it the best chance of of doing the best in the quickest time possible so we can do another one another one another one so this book made it pretty uh clear to me the value of a process and a process is something you have to do routinely to get the process better yeah and then in uh through in like i guess the meditation lane i don't know if you've ever heard any of the arguments around free will whether we have free will whether free will exists
1: kind of touched upon it actually in my first year of law although mm. only from a philosophy standpoint when we're examining different legal theories
0: so that the, it actually has huge implications on the legal system Mm -hmm, this concept of free will because uh it kind of leads more towards the sense of punishment if people aren't really free uh, and how people should be punished yeah Um, but anyway sidebar but um i would have uh so the free will is pretty in line with like the concept of the self and the whole kind of theme throughout buddhism and taoism and all of the eastern philosophies that the self is an illusion and it's not what you actually essentially are and so that's linked to this argument of free will right so then if i i had a conversation with a friend the other day and um and she was like oh okay well i think there's free will and i was like okay cool well let's just like talk our way through this free will and see where we land like if you can see what i see about free will i just said the easiest the most free decision that you'll ever make in your life is like i said to her what's a name a movie you've seen can be a good movie a bad movie favorite movie least favorite doesn't matter just name a movie that you've seen you're
1: asking me to do this now
0: yeah sure go kill bill done all right so kill bill why did you pick kill bill
1: because it's my favorite movie
0: okay perfect did you what other movies have you seen
1: in the world yes ever, ever. ever um probably the one that i watched most recently was um crazy stupid love yeah not by choice It was just on tv although a good film um uh, lamar yep. um the great escape i don't know why all these films are coming to my head ah. right <laughs>
0: so we kind of get into it and you you say okay you chose kill bill why no oh, that's my favorite movie okay cool You've seen all these other movies but they didn't come to your head. Just Kill Bill came to your head. Or if one let's say one did come to mind and then you had you actually answered quickly enough for me to know that there wasn't a conflict between decision making it it was just there. But even let's say something does come into your mind you're like oh but fuck Titanic. Wait, should I say Titanic or should I say Kill Bill? you're making a decision but you don't actually know why you landed on kill bill you just did right yeah and so you can kind of follow this back so where would the for so when i was talking to my friend we kind of went through this argument she was pushing back pushing back pushing back and i was like okay so let's create some conditions around where you actually do have freedom and the at the bottom of it at the end she said well so what happened i think she said pride and prejudice was the movie right yeah so she said okay so what if what if pride and prejudice was the only movie i'd ever seen then i would have had to say that she's like then i would have been free to say it and i was like ah perfect you've just hit the nail on the head the only way you can make the argument of freedom of choice is when you only have one thing to choose
1: but then it's not choice
0: no, exactly. There's no so there's there's no real freedom, but there yeah. but that's when you are free, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's I think what routine does. Okay. So routine does give you that freedom because yeah. you get up and there's no other options. So you can you just go about your routine and in that process of doing something that you've there's no other option so like for me my routine to answer you this is the longest answer of a <laughs> question ever but that's why we're here but i get up in the morning that dog's a fucking nightmare i feed that dog <laughs> in the morning that's first thing i don't know where, he is, where is. probably he? in his bed yeah. he's got a little bed under there oh, but cute. that he he gets fed i let him out to go to the toilet and then i make my coffee in exactly the same way like zero deviation it is so routine that there it's very free like Mm. i there's no other way at this point there's no other way i could make that coffee so i like i measure and i do it the longest way possible because is it
1: a form of meditation
2: and pretty much yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well
0: it's just it's a process that you do and then you do it to just enjoy the process and then at the end of the process there's this result but i'm not really attached to the result i'm more attached to the process yeah and then from there i go i sit in my chair i have a chair that's just for reading and then i read for an hour and then i have a shower and then my day starts so there, like i've grown to absolutely cherish that routine yeah there's no freedom in that routine i don't have to deviate i don't have to think about it and i just get in it and and it's it's done the same way every day and there's a few things why i like it uh one I've they're all things that I love to do yeah so I was starting. just thinking
1: you're, you're making time to do the stuff that you enjoy in that yeah I think so many people associate routine with getting up at the latest possible time before you possibly have to leave for work cramming in a breakfast cramming in shower um or having breakfast when you're driving to work or whatever. And yeah, that's your routine is centered around your time of getting to yeah. work, but you're making time for the stuff that you enjoy and value. yeah, And that sets you up to have a better day.
0: Well, and then, so there's, that is exactly right. So that's like one part of it. So in the moment I've decided that these are all things that I like to do. They give me something by, it's pretty much by like nine 30, that routine's kind of done and dusted and I'm on my way to work. And I know, like, I enjoy that every day. So, the, there's the en- enjoyment that I get from that process. So, that's one thing that sets up a good day. The flip side of it is, if I'm having a fucking terrible day, I can just rest my head easy at night knowing that I'm going to get up in the morning and do the routine. So, it yeah. actually makes bad days seem less bad. Because, I, again, there's, the freedom is just, I get to wake up and I do that thing uh again in the morning the the interesting thing why i brought up uh atomic habits as well Mm. he highlights in that book we all have routines but are they the routine that you want to have you know what i mean so like you said Mm. getting up as late as possible to cram in to have the quickest shower to then have bits of your hair unstraightened because (laughs) you haven't done it to then doing makeup in your car that's a routine as well yeah it but, just
1: doesn't sound like fun. I mean, it's not. That's not my routine. But yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's plenty of other people's who then go through their day not feeling satisfied, feeling tired, feeling yeah. resentful. Yeah, and it I was like hell. I was a
0: person <laughs> too. I was only thinking about this that other day, um, because now I I kind of just like look for processes. I'm like, what's a process that I can extract here? What's mm. the what's a, what's a uh, I guess like a step to step by step thing. That I can do that makes this experience a little bit better. Because in the past, like, I, th- I was thinking about this yesterday. So I got my bike ready on Saturday. I loaded my bike up. All my gear was done. Everything, like, I got a mat so that I could roll out my mat. I got, like, a blanket for the dog. Everything was just done. Like, as good as I could do this, like, packing process. And yep. that was just not me. Like, every time I used <laughs> to go riding, I would be like flustered and frazzled because I was exactly what I just described. I was the chick doing the fucking makeup in the car, you know. Yeah. And uh and yeah, to me now after going through I guess that transition, I'm just like, oh, I just don't know if I ever wanna go back to, to being that guy yeah. that, that sees freedom, uh, as just being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. That yeah. that to me actually there's there's too much going on there.
1: Yes, yeah. And I think if you're when you put processes like at triple eight we our life our lives revolve around having processes and procedures because they minimize the chance of error yeah. occurring yeah and it was only this weekend in townsville when i was walking past some, the support categories and somebody had said oh we forgot our tire trolley i'm like man how'd you forget a tire trolley don't you have a packing list yeah and then i'm like oh wait they you know not everyone operates at yeah. the top of the level you know if you're just going off for a happy weekend racing you don't have a packing list but imagine how much better your experience could have been that weekend if you had remembered your tire trolley because then you wouldn't have had the pain Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever whatever solution they came to to get their tires from the support category paddocks through to the main series paddock and pit lane Every single time they had a race or session on. And yeah, it just having those processes and procedures minimizes errors. And without errors, you're just generally happier, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
0: and think of it like this. So, this is also an Atomic Habits couple of spoilers here for you. But, oh, hopefully, well, do I
1: even need to read it now? No, nah, I mean, probably I not. Feel I feel like I could talk for another 10 more minutes and you <laughs> pretty
0: much read it. But it's what you said kind of lends itself into a part of the book as well, where he basically talks about, uh, there was a the british cycling team oh fuck even better this is even better for you they were just completely (laughs) completely (laughs) dog shit in the tour de france like hadn't won it ever they were fucking a joke in the tour de france cycling world right so he highlighted in this book he said the the goal is not the thing that you should be aiming for so like the british cycling team they wanted to win they Mm. had the same goal everybody in a v8 supercar race has the same goal yep. so the goal actually does not mean shit in terms of attaining that goal so focusing on a goal is you're completely missing uh i guess the goal post the people that focus on the processes that yeah. can lead to a goal they're the teams that get it done so perfect example of Triple Eight probably and you could say like triple eight um djr uh tickford the t- top tier teams in v8 supercars you would have to it, I, i'm guessing that if you went through all of those garages you would see three teams that had top tier processes. yeah and those top tier processes are what delivers top tier results because everybody on the start line wants to win one team does
1: yeah I find that goal thing so interesting because it's something that something that I get asked sometimes and it's something that our drivers get asked a lot and people are always stumped when they ask that question to Shane because Shane's answer to do you set goals is no I don't believe in setting goals yeah and at first I didn't really you know I never really thought about it because I always thought oh you know your, your goals are surely to Win races and stuff, but then you think more deeply about it. And actually, I don't. The more I've thought about his answer, reflected on myself, I don't believe in yeah. setting goals either. Exactly you know, the same. a few years ago, um, I was talked into creating, you know, your goals for the year and put up on the bathroom wall and all this stuff. Yeah. And you know, it didn't. At the end of the day, it didn't mean shit. It was yeah. just some writing on a wall of stuff that. You know, would be nice if I achieved it, but <laughs> did I achieve it? Yeah, I got one of those goals was, you know, at CrossFit do 50 unbroken double unders. Yeah. And then I ticked off 50 unbroken double unders. And did I feel any sense of achievement? Nah.
0: that it just irritates another, me that I can't get
1: to 16.
0: Yes, that is another very You're
1: key just point. Chasing and chasing and chasing. What's the satisfaction when you eventually get there? And like, yeah, I get the people who set themselves a goal of running a marathon or something. I mean, that's awesome, but... Um, what how do you feel two days later mm. when you've now got nothing to train for? you you know people set their next goal and their next goal and, and what have you. but that feeling of coming down afterwards and going well, I put all that effort into yeah, you know that it's I put all that effort into that day and yeah it was cool and I've ticked that box, but who are you ticking it for? Yeah it's yeah, I don't personally I don't understand setting well, goals
0: so wh- and but what you said is so perfect because you spend a very 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 small percentage of the time uh like let's say your goal is to run a marathon right but you've never run before in your life so then you're gonna it's in three months time the the completion the feeling of good shit that you get from completing that goal probably lasts like 10 minutes mm. 15 minutes but so you've got 15 minutes at the end and then you've got three months so you're actually with the process a lot longer than you're with yeah. the satisfaction from the goal so i think again that's uh, another example of the process you know the the harder you can commit to the process, and the better you can execute, and the the more finely tuned you can get the process, then just go day on day yeah. on day. Just become obsessed with the process. Um, then you're you're reaching goals but you kind of have got the the juice is there every day. You don't yep. have to wait to run the marathon to get the satisfaction.
1: And you might have set that goal of running a marathon because you need to it might be for a health reason you need to lose weight or it might be because you need to get a health concern under control or something. Yep. And a the marathon is just a milestone rather yep. than a, rather than the ultimate goal of you've done that and then it all turns to shit at the end. That's why I like dieting is so it's such a warped way of thinking about health because people are like, I could be happy when I get to 60 kilos or whatever. And then they get there and they're like, oh, well, (laughs) what do I do now? And, you know, unless they have put a healthy process in place to get to that goal weight, then it spirals back out of control. And most of the time you end up putting on more weight at the end of it. And yeah, that's, I mean, processes and stuff and goals fit into like every every part of life it's not just about workplace it's not just about going racing and yeah yeah, it fits into fits into like everything
0: have i changed your mind about routine uh
1: uh, no (laughs) (laughs) i think because i i just really enjoy knowing that every day is going to be Mm. different and i really enjoy i i love the process of going somewhere else and waking up in a different hotel or um or getting on an airplane and and going somewhere else i think it's i think i love routine because sorry i I dislike routine because i love travel yeah um and i hate being in the same place for longer than like a few days at a time yeah and that to me equates to routine which is what i think because like i have negative memories of covid yeah um that equates to me as being in the same place equals routine, which I don't like. And mm. maybe if I had more positive experiences around routine, then um, I would feel differently about it. But at the moment, I associate routine with negative memories. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was definitely there. Does your dad have a, like a routine that he does? Like you mentioned him before. Does So he, he the people that you know that are successful seem to have routines
1: I think he's got more certainly more of a routine than I do he's also a firm believer in like setting in like laying down roots yeah um and and, you know building yourself a like a foundation base and stuff which I'm less and I think maybe that's a generational thing but um yeah I'm less of that I mean I own an apartment in Brisbane and that's my home but I would be quite content if I didn't have that Mm. um you know, I'd probably need somewhere to put all my racing uniforms and various work uniforms. <laughs> It'd be hard to permanently live out of a suitcase. Um, but yeah, I'm not that. I'm not somebody who craves my own bed or. Yeah. Like we've just been in Townsville. We did back-to-back race weekends in Townsville, um, and you know, people after two weeks away racing, are like, oh my god, I can't wait to be on my own bed and yeah. all of that. But I just don't get that, and maybe that's for a lot of people. It's associated to family and things, and yeah. you know, I don't have i don't have a family to come back to or whatever and i'm not nobody is reliant on me and i'm not reliant on anyone else yeah um but the yeah that's i don't get that sense of needing a base and needing to have laid down roots anywhere or anything like that to me it's you know i've i went through a period of being (laughs) domesticated and um it's yeah that's not it's not for me it's or certainly not anytime soon if one never say never I'm a firm believer in never saying never yeah um but certainly I've been through um you know this in the latter half of my 20s a a couple of years of being you know the doing the doing the domesticated yeah kind of adult thing that you're supposed to do when you get to that age yeah and it's yeah that's so it's not me Um,
3: Did,
0: did you feel pressure to uh to have that kind of normal domesticated lifestyle
1: massively yeah there's a massive amount of pressure um and it kind of all it all boils up and and comes to a head and then you're like (laughs) then being i think this is a very female thing that you've you decide to make a change or you think about making a change well before you make the decision whereas guys are like oh my god i've got this thought in my head i have to act on it straight away and then six weeks later you're like oh man what did i do that for whereas girls are the other way around we'll stew on a decision for like a year year, yeah Yeah. and then and then once we made up our minds we know that that's that's what we have to do um but yeah massive amount of massive amount of pressure that's where it came from and my sister had the same had a similar thing you know she got married at she got engaged at 23 married at 24 was divorced four years later yeah and she's like i got married because i felt pressure to do it that was yeah. what that was what was expected of me and like yeah of course i got caught up in having the you know massive wedding that didn't have a budget and yeah. <laughs> all of that shit but um yeah it's she's like i It was the pressure. It's what everyone expected me to do. So that's what I felt like I needed to do. Um, And luckily, I've haven't ever gone as far as she has in feeling that pressure. But you know, that's why you have older siblings because they live through all of it first. Um, But yeah, I hate I hate the pressure that society puts on all of us to to fit into a certain into being a certain way, into living a certain life, and that isn't necessarily a life that everyone should live
0: yeah it definitely takes courage to do that like I, I think that uh i can't ever speak to being a woman um but i feel like being a, a man you have a little bit more social freedom to live like that like mm. i know so many more guys uh, and I've got a lot of great friends that are like these older guys that have just been single their whole life and very career-focused and they're fucking in their 60s and they've got 10 jet skis, 20 bikes and a fucking mm. huge house and they do whatever the fuck they want. But I don't know many women like that.
1: Yeah, massively. It's, if I ever lived the life that my dad does, I mean, my dad did the whole married and having kids first probably because i mean he comes from an unconventional family and it was the most conventional thing that anyone in his family has done Mm. getting married and having kids um but and i think he did that because there was a sense of pressure from my mum's side who's more traditional um but yeah if i ever lived the life that my dad does yeah, yeah, I'd probably I'd be ridiculed for it like yeah. it's it's not it's not okay for a woman to live that kind of or it, or it's less socially acceptable for a woman to live the that live a lifestyle. similar lifestyle yeah. to that. And um, like I I again I always say never say never but I've I've never wanted children. I've never it's never been something that appeals to me. Um but and it's changing more over the years as I've got older because yeah. people, you know, now at the age of 30, people are like, okay, you probably know whether you want kids or not at the age of 30, because, you know, biological time clocks ticking. And Which all that shit. is
0: that even fucking a thing Ugh, in 2021? No. I Ugh. feel like we're fucking pretty solid on technology.
1: Oh, it's, yeah, no, the, um, I actually had a doctor say it to me a few years ago. He was like, and this was when I was like 27. He was like, you're 27. Do you really want to? That's a fucking
0: problem, man. Like, why should, why would a doctor say that? I I I know (laughs) women that have been like 39 and had healthy kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. So even if, you know, I want to change my mind somewhere further down the line, then it's not, you know, anyway, as you say, technology is there. Different story. But, um, yeah, even when throughout the kind of, Last ten years, when it's been at the age that it's been acceptable that I might have a child, and I say no, nah, I don't, I don't want children. People are like, mm, really? Are you, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Oh, you'll change your mind. I'm like never say never, but no. Nah. And the more that people say,
0: yeah, yeah, oh, are you you're
1: sure so- about that? I'm like. No, (laughs) the the more you people try and change my mind the more i'm sticking to i'm sticking to my guns
0: but it seems like with you your uh well there would have to be from the outside looking in there would have to be a level of comfortability in challenging the norm because women in motorsport isn't a norm either you Mm. know and like you've lived in that space for a while now. So, like, there's obviously a level of comfortability that you have with challenging those kind of norms.
1: Yeah, I, oh, I don't think I've ever thought about it like that. Um, certainly one of my biggest fears in life is normality. And mm. and everybody's version of normal looks different. But What
0: is your version of normal then to set this up?
1: Uh, that domesticated lifestyle that I have been exposed to and chosen to remove myself from yeah. um and routine like that's <laughs> to me having having that routine that we're talking about seems um seems normal the whole um yeah the traditional family in the traditional neighborhood and you do every sunday afternoon with the same families and you and, yeah, like yeah. it's all it's all Lovely, and it's so, like there are so many people who have happiness and success in that, and I'm not disrespecting it in any in any way, but it's not for me. Mm. Um, and I think that that comes to back to what we we're talking about at the start of you know why law, why challenge yourself, why make yourself so busy, um, is because it removes me from that sense of normality that mm. I have a fear of. Um, and
0: have you thought about what the fears around?
1: Not, yeah, not, not, I have a fear of being in my comfort zone,
2: yeah,
1: I reckon, yeah, um, I think everybody achieves something that they can be proud of when they're outside of their comfort zone, and yeah. it ultimately comes back to uh, to feeling like you've like a personal sense of feeling like you've achieved yeah. what you want to achieve in your life, but also for me, <laughs> I'm very, I'm probably rather driven by external. Um I know this isn't a prob this probably isn't a good thing, but I feel like I'm driven by external um people and uh, opinions and stuff. Yeah. Um so it's yeah, you're always looking for that way of or for me, I'm kind of looking for my for a way of like making making it stand out. It's weird, it's weird. Because on one hand I want to stand out from other people, but then on the other hand, like I'm not somebody who loves attention and, and mm. loves the limelight and stuff. So it's it's a contradiction and it's a weird balance to find. Yeah, you love I love it on one hand of being um being somebody who's who does something different, but on the other hand it's But you
0: don't necessarily want to be like praised for that. It's it's yeah. a, more of like yeah. an internal thing.
1: Yeah, I think that hits the nail on the head. I'm not seeking I'm not seeking praise. I'm not seeking for I'm I'm not a glory hunter by any means, but I want to make a difference to yeah. To a world, to someone else's life, and I think that the whole women in motorsport way of, of the women in motorsport work that I do um, is a way of of is an outlet yeah. for that. Because somebody
0: has to do it, right?
1: They don't have to. No, but, but nobody I mean, has to. But, but
0: I mean, for women in motorsport to become more of a common thing, or to have um, like great women in key roles within motorsport, like there has to be somebody that comes through first and there's a part of making that happen and maybe it's not one person maybe mm. it's a collective of people but at some point there has to be someone that like you said takes a step forward past what is normal and then someone else takes a step past what is normal like I always think about that in the sense of why I think famous people we find famous people so interesting mm. so you take somebody for like Madonna for instance You know, there was, like, this box that society was in. This is what most people fit into this rounded sphere. Mm. And then there's Madonna. Yeah. And then you get these people that are like, fuck, look at Madonna. Look what she's wearing. Look at how she's dancing. Look at how she's speaking as a woman. And then all of a sudden you get more people that are, like, down to go outside of that box. And then then society's normal gets a little bit bigger. Like, you'd think just the average you know you could go in like the sydney cbd or or like new york and and la are great examples of this like you just see these people walking down the street that they're just so outside of normal but there's like a bunch of them and then you watch like i used to go have the coffee at the same place in beverly hills every single day and like you'd see uh like this really cool chick or like some really cool queer dude that was like wearing some new shit and you'd see him on the street and you know there's everyone's like a little community and then you'd see that guy over and over and over and then in a few months time like more people are starting to look like him or like her so it's like you need these people that take a step outside of convention to to make it you know more normal for people
1: yeah i th- it's something that i've kind of been thinking about recently is is why me why is it taken and i think this taps into what you were saying but why why me why am i the person who's kind of Put championing yeah, this and it's yeah. not that other people aren't but um yeah i feel like it's um i'm kind of <laughs> and I, I hate talking about you know what the media say and all that stuff because it's, it's stupid to even talk about the fact that the media writes stuff about me but in motorsport in our tiny little bubble they, they yeah. do um but it's kind of you know i'm seen as the person who's who's kind of leading the way for motorsport for women in motorsport in Australia and um, my good friend Molly Taylor of course is championing that as well yeah she's
0: brilliant isn't
1: she when I grow up I want to be Molly Taylor yeah she's brilliant (laughs) yeah she's um, she's become such a good friend over the years Um, and she is just she is a massive champion for women in motorsport and we've both kind of come from similar backgrounds of going well we don't want to talk about the fact that we're women in motorsport we just want to get on with our jobs Mm. but then realise that actually the sport will be a better place if we have more women involved. And for and for my side of it, it it's about that innovation that we were talking about earlier. If we have more diverse motorsport industry, then we'll have more innovative ways of thinking and yeah. we'll continue to keep pushing the boundaries of what we can do. Um, but yeah, coming back to like, like why am I the person who's, yeah. who's doing this? Why did nobody else get there first? Like, what was the difference between... Because I'm not the only person who's thought about it, yeah. but why... Why is is it? Yeah. Why Why do people come up and say to me, "I love what you're doing for women at motorsport"? Yeah. Uh, do they go up to any of the other girls in pit lane and say, "I love what you're doing for women at motorsport"? I don't know. I'm not them. But um, yeah, sometimes I'm like, but why? Why is it? Why is it coming down to me? Yeah. Um, but then also, I'm. It's coming down to me, or not solely down to me, but I'm. It. I'm part of it because I've chosen to yeah. take that step you know i for me that it kind of all started in i think it was 17 2017 um and susie wolf who's the former formula 1 driver yeah um she had started a program called dare to be different um and we were at um, fuji in japan for the um for the endurance world endurance championship race there and it just i just had one of those light bulb moments and i was like why isn't this in australia like it's doing well i can't even remember what triggered that light bulb moment but, hey, um
0: you didn't know what triggered you to say that movie, did you?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, <laughs> cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Always. Um, so, yeah, it came down to, I went, okay, how... Why isn't this in in Australia? So I'm fortunate enough to have contacts um, yeah, you who eventually cool. put yeah. me in put me in touch with Susie, and that's how we got Dare to Be Different in Australia. And that's how I started working with Motorsport Australia on Dare to Be Different and what's now become Girls on Track. Um, and and then we had the Australian Women in Motorsport Commission that I was that was formed a few years ago, and I was the inaugural chair of. That's now disbanded in favour of a diversity committee, which I'm I'm a big fan of that because it means that we can do more and it's more inclusive it's not only females it's diversity in general which I think is awesome and something that I wanted to do at first but um, it was yeah that was the road that we're going down at the time Um, but yeah I think that that's why that's how that journey all got started Um, and I'm so thankful for that it did that it did because it kind of it sparked something in me where I was like this is my purpose in motorsport yeah but then why me why didn't anyone else have that purpose why yeah why didn't anyone else take those steps before me or at the same time as me or yeah i I, I think
0: (laughs) no yeah i know exactly what you're saying i mean i'm in a, a similar boat in some ways with this like i feel like i've ended up becoming a voice for certain things that definitely wasn't a plan but there is a cause and effect right so you you know that whatever thought it popped into your head that this should be in australia it sets off this chain of events and then there's a cause and effect a cause Mm. and effect and it's like our thoughts and the things that we think about if we action those things they become these like real tangible things in the world that then can influence somebody else yeah and then you know they can kind of uh, a similar cause and effect type um thing can can happen to them but it's it's in everything like that i mean i i'm not sure who we could use in v8s like i'm not that much of a v8 head but it's like at some point i mean maybe it was peter brock you know like why him why was he the guy that everybody gravitated towards like and i i think at some point certain people just put the globe on their back you know and they just don't drop it Mm. and you know he maybe Peter Brock was that guy for just touring cars in Australia in the beginning and then maybe it's like your dad as a as a race team director like he put it on his back to be like no we're gonna make this the best thing that you know the best race team this is gonna lift Mm. up every other race team it it's just how it works out that there's always these people that decide that they're okay with um putting the sport on their back or putting women in sport and and i think that it's probably in in your case not even something where it was like this was my intention but it's probably the fact that the values that influence like the greater picture like what you're trying to achieve with the the diversity committee and the, the different you know girls on track they speak to a bigger picture but they probably just align with your own personal values. Mm. And there is a level of personal satisfaction that just lets you do it and as a byproduct you've become this champion for a cause. But it's like okay, well that cause wasn't exactly my intention. It yeah. was more just in line with my own personal development and my own personal satisfaction. Now, I definitely feel that with the with the podcast, you know, like it's there's this whole movement of um just getting out and having fun and like just dip out on the race result bullshit like Mm. i don't know what i got in wa and i drove fucking six days to get to that race (laughs) you know so it's like that is something that personally i wanted to overcome like Mm. that that was a value that that i saw in myself i was like man if you can detach yourself from the results and like you just chase the pure experience of like what does this bike give you like what's the first principle thing that you're chasing here by like pressing the start button on this motorcycle and it's like i think that that's probably just for you like you have these personal check boxes that you're ticking in your own development mm-hmm. molly's probably the same like she's just trying to be the best rally car driver that yeah. she can be she just happens to be a, a woman yeah and is okay with a uh, while she's developing personally and in the same way while you're developing personally you're actually you've seen you've looked around and been like oh okay guess i'm this like voice yeah. and you're okay with it yeah. that, i don't know if that makes sense
1: yeah yes it, no it does make sense and i think that that also the personal side of it it taps into it taps into something that you don't necessarily or for me that i didn't necessarily know was in me or it's developed something that i didn't know was in me like the i love the biggest thing that i get out of doing the girls on track stuff is for example we've got a day coming up next month at the workshop at um triple eight and this will be the third time that we've done it at triple eight and when we're doing one of the we do this livery design workshop and um the girls who aren't working on the bonnet, I take the time to put them in one the driver's seat of one of the cars, and seeing their faces light up when they get behind the steering wheel. Yeah, the chances of any of them getting behind the wheel of a go kart are probably fairly slim. Yeah. But the look on their faces when you put them in the car and they're like, oh, "Wow, this is just like this is amazing." Yeah. And the possibilities that are there that are then in front of them that they don't see, but you see that you have the look on their faces shows shows me that I've opened up yeah. this avenue of possibilities that they didn't know was there before and like i said they don't they don't know in that moment that that's what is in front of them but i do and that's the the, that's the biggest satisfaction is is that look that you get when you realize that i've realized for them that this could could be a life-changing moment and from there that feeling has got me into um I'm working on a community kind of program at Triple Eight at the moment where I want staff to think about what is a meaningful, um, doesn't have to be charity, but some form of nonprofit or, um, you know, it might be a sporting organization that their kids are involved with or a sports club that their kids are involved in. Um, but something that's community facing and all we need to do is open up the workshop, you know, for a few days, for a f- couple of hours after work or on a weekend or something and show these people around. Because the difference that we can make to mm. somebody's life by showing them the race cars up close is massive. And as I've been talking to more um, more charities and things, so I was, I've been dealing with three different charities over the last week or so um, on getting something rolling with them so there's like a there's a men's mental health charity um a domestic violence charity and oh i can't remember what the third one is off the top of my head um something um underprivileged children who've been impacted by it might be another domestic violence um charity as well um but all three of them have said, okay, so what are you wanting to get out of this? I'm like, this isn't coming from... Isn't that what
0: charity... <laughs> I'm like, this yeah. this
1: isn't coming from me wanting to get media attention or anything like that. It's because I want people in our... I want people in my team to feel that same sense of satisfaction and that fulfillment. Girls, yeah. 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 I would love for them to get that feeling, but also to know that Triple Eight is supportive of causes that are important to them and then most importantly to help the people who are less fortunate than us yeah. who can get a life changing experience out of just seeing a race car yeah. up close. Yeah. We take it for granted. We work with these cars every day and we forget how cool it is that we walk up a flight of stairs and are surrounded by trophies and then walk down another flight of stairs very true. To a room full of like six race
2: cars. Mm. And
1: that's just it's mind blowing to so many people, but it's not to us. We become numb to it. Yeah. Um, and for those of us in my department who are very fan-facing, like we deal with the fans yeah, and the public on a, on, on a daily you, yeah. basis, you can become you can become desensitized to it. But what really hit home to me the other day, um, the other day a couple of months ago. A doctor emailed us and said, I have my patient's consent to email you. Um, he's a patient on a terminal cancer ward and he doesn't have many friends or family, but what's getting, he's supposed to have a hot lap with you guys in Sydney in August, but he's not going to live that long. And all the other patients are walking around in their gowns, but he, every day that he wants to give himself a lift, puts on his Rebel Ample Racing gear Sick. and that keeps him going. And I was like, holy shit. Like, it's so simple. Like, we yeah. could, he's not we can't just reschedule the ride day it doesn't work like that um if anything we've actually had to push it out it's now in december Yeah. um so you know that, and it kind of it makes me feel bad i don't know if this if this man is still alive at the moment um going by his prognosis he, he probably shouldn't be but um yeah just being able to watch us on tv wearing his rebel ample racing polo yeah every day yeah kept him going when he didn't have friends and family around him to to support him. And I'm like, if we can, if that's the effect that just watching it on TV has, how can we bring that, how can we bring that to something that's here just by opening our doors for two hours for one night a month, like every, every month for a year like yeah. we can we can affect we can influence so many people and, and put a smile on their face and yeah the, the people who are like okay so what media have you got lined up I am like, I don't have media lined up like it's gonna be me and whoever else puts their hand up to volunteer yeah. <laughs> that's it
0: it's crazy so Corey, do you know Corey Parker have you ever heard of Corey Parker yeah the yeah. football player so he's, yeah, he's been a, in our garage a couple yeah, of times I was gonna say yeah. huge car fan mm. but uh he told me a story on the podcast which was just insane so he was eleven or twelve years old, right? And he goes they he grew up in Toowoomba and he the Brisbane Broncos had just won the premiership and they they had the flight landed at Gold Coast Airport and then they did the big parade for him at the airport. Everyone showed up with signs. Corey to his dad please, please, please take me to see the team get off the bus. So Corey is just a little kid, pushes his way to the front of the, the line with a bunch of other kids and then Alfie Langer, Kevin Walters, they walk off the off the bus mm-hmm. and then they like he has this interaction with them. He came he he came home and he said to his mum and dad, I'm gonna play for the Brisbane Broncos. He mm-hmm. is one of the greatest players yeah. to ever play the game of football for the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. So that interaction and that one meeting that Changed his entire life and it, it planted a seed in his mind that grew into being a Hall of Fame yeah. football player for that particular club. It's fucking real and yeah. it happens all the time.
1: Do you think that he set that goal? Does this come back to goal setting?
0: <laughs> well, I just think that, that there would be like a seed yeah. in, in his mind. that You know what I mean? And at some point, I can't pinpoint when it was and then I would never made it to that. But mm. it's like at some point... I saw motocross and was just like, oh, I'm fucking in, like, that's mm. me. Another really cool story is um, a writer, Adam Cincerello. He's uh, one of the best professional motocross riders in the world, currently rides for Factory Kawasaki in America, and it's similar story. He saw supercross on tv his dad had no involvement with racing his grandfather had no involvement with racing they didn't know anybody that had any involvement with racing he sees supercross on tv said to his dad please take me to a supercross race he's four years old Mm -hmm. goes watch his daytona supercross and said i'm gonna do that one day yeah. So like it's such a powerful, yeah. it's such a powerful thing that that can happen, and especially you know, given like a young girl the opportunity to sit in a car, like you just never know.
1: Yes, yeah, it could be. I just love the idea that it could help shape somebody's career path because you talk to anybody, kind of, any of the girls my age, and if somebody had said to me that if that when I was at school and hating maths and science that. It could lead to me being an engineer because like my one regret is that yeah. i'm not more useful in the team and like i've done done an awful lot of roles started as a mechanic and then have been like media manager team coordinator um like partnerships exec um now i'm like hr and legal counsel <laughs> and, like yeah. try, trying to run part of the show um but i always just wish that i'd been able to be useful enough to be uh, or had the qualifications to be an engineer because i'd love to be useful in that i'd love to be if I. Understood maths and I could be useful in accounting and yeah. Um, if somebody had said to me when I was fifteen that um, if I understood maths and science, mm. then I could make race cars go fast, and shown me that, then I, you know, I probably
0: you probably would have got more interested in maths yeah, and science.
1: And- yeah, absolutely. But at that time of my life, I wasn't involved in motorsport, um, and I never kind of. You know, you talk about career paths and stuff. I don't think I've ever seen a career path for myself. Yeah. Um, but I still don't feel like I have a career. I don't know what my job is. Um, but, yeah, if somebody had told me and put in black and, you know, just made it more obvious and given yeah. me the opportunities to understand what's available to me at that age. Instead, when I was 17 and not wanting to go to university at all and I went to a uni open day because my friend was going... Um, and I saw automotive engineering and I was like, oh my God, that'd be really cool. What do I need to do to do that? And this was even before I had um, kind of fallen back in love with motorsport. Um, and they were like, you need maths and physics. And I was like, cool, well, I'm doing English, French, PE, critical <sighs> thinking and German. So, mm, not, <laughs> yeah. not the most helpful. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, working at Triple Eight as a mechanic at the time, I like, I'd, I'd still really love to to do engineering and then yeah, no amount of me trying to find a course that would take me at uni resulted in that. So I ended up doing journalism for my first degree. But in hindsight, it, you know, that's not how my brain works. And yeah. I'd be a shite engineer because <laughs> I can I just don't understand my brain is not mechanical, you know, it's not yeah. it's just not how my brain works. So yeah, it's probably a good thing I'm not an engineer because then I would not have been any good. <laughs> but it frustrates the hell out of me that I don't understand more of that stuff and it's yeah. also difficult when people it's it's really odd how people don't kind of take the time to to explain stuff and talk to me in the same way that they talk to other people mm. on you know we can finish a race and i can ask a question and they'll give me a completely different answer to what they would yeah, say yeah. to like my dad or yeah um or one of the other shareholders or stakeholders or that yeah they're just talking a completely different way and it's probably somewhere it's completely subconsciously probably somewhere it's got something to do with the fact of being a female yeah um but yeah it's so frustrating and i'm like i don't i don't understand and it's just a case of like being exposed to it more and doing things like sitting in and debriefs and yeah um and yeah just learning by osmosis more but yeah. also you learning by osmosis is all very well but you need somebody to actually take the time and explain stuff yeah which is always helpful um and people talk about the importance of having mentors and i've never yeah i've never had a mentor yeah. the times when and i would love to have a mentor i've tried but they don't, for various reasons that i don't know haven't stuck around um so yeah maybe if i had like if I had an engineering mentor or something then I could be learning but you know yeah. everyone's always so busy you don't want to bother people with questions
0: yeah that is true and
1: try and yeah and, and hassle them you never want to f- you never want to feel like a burden do you yeah <laughs> yeah
0: what what did what would you say are the main barriers to entry for women in motorsport
1: if that's that's is it, really is it hard just because perception yeah I think so it's changing the way that we that we think think about motorsport as a career option yeah because for for some reason somewhere along the line for for boys it seems it's portrayed as a valid career path for girls it's mm, that would be nice but yeah yeah, it's probably not realistic for you but why why is why is that the case Um, and I think yeah i think perception is is a massive part of it because actually when you break it down to actual barriers there are none mm. people aren't interested in what gender you are once you're actually trying to get into the industry all anyone cares about is how good you are at a job how well you can do your job um and i get asked that a lot i get asked you know why um yeah what what are the barriers and i'm like well i it sounds silly saying there are none because there are so few female in motorsports. Obviously, good, there are barriers. But that's
0: such like a good way to look at it because, um, I mean, I feel like I could say unequivocally, I'm so down with a woman to do any job. Like, I, I don't have any problems. There's no part of me that has any kind of, like, old Darwinian thinking that would say <laughs> that a woman could not do a job. Physically, Can a chick pick up as many tires as quick as a dude? I don't know. Maybe the fucking big chick off Game of Thrones could, but... Or, like, a chick Mm. that's, like, uh, that... What's the... Leah or whatever, the CrossFit Games? Maybe that chick could. But in terms of just, like, the average woman that would come in and apply for a job, at some point, you're probably not physically as capable as a man. I get that. So I've got no problem in saying, like, ah, okay, like, let's not hire the chick that can't lift the tires to do the tire lifting job. Yeah. You know, but at the same yeah. time, I'd also she, say... She
1: ultimately wouldn't be the best person e- for the job. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And But I'd also say that I probably wouldn't give Ronan that job because yeah. he's <laughs> like not that big and not that <laughs> strong. right? <laughs> and his shoulder's sore. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? So it's like a, a horses for mm. courses kind of thing. Yeah. So I feel like I'm completely, I've got no problems with that. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that it's probably uh, like a role model thing. There's probably not enough Women out there that other women can aspire to it's be visible
1: enough. And when we yeah. are visible, it's like here's a woman in motorsport. Let's shine her out and you know let's yeah. put a spotlight on her. And she's such a special person. It shouldn't be. it, I like it shouldn't be parading yeah. somebody. It should be making them the norm. It should be making it the norm that they are there. And in some ways, like I'm really conflicted about this because
0: how do you get the message out it, there without getting the message out? There? I want it to
1: be the norm. Yeah. But in order for it to be the norm, you have to take drastic measures. Yeah. and I'd never really you know I'm not a fan of quotas, but um, I can see why they are useful. And somebody put it to me really well recently um, they said, if there hadn't been you know we don't we don't like all this show pony stuff of, of women being being show ponies and singing about injustice and all that kind of stuff, but if you don't do anything drastic then the norm isn't going to come so if you've got the middle yeah. if this is like you know women are invisible over on the far left in the middle is everything's equal um, and the far right is women you know have the no women. business being here no that's the left oh, that's, that that, that's over that side yep. the middle is everyone's equal and the right is you know wim, women be are in the all and end all and, yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. Um, you have to go towards the women at, the be mm. all and end all to get to the middle. You have yeah. to you have to push something to the extreme in order for it to then be reined back to the norm. Yeah, and if if the suffragettes hadn't gone so far along the extreme of of making their cause so public, women women wouldn't have the vote, or at least yeah. they wouldn't have had the vote as quickly as they did so yeah. it, it took it took the suffragettes and people like emily and pankhurst to put themselves out there to really make the cause known in yeah. order for it to be to be the norm and de- god knows how many decades it took yeah. for women to have the vote to be the norm but they had to a hundred years ago they had to make that massive song and dance about it yeah. in order for the for justice for social justice and equality in that element of life to be the norm
3: yeah
1: so that's why I'm conflicted because I want I want it to be the norm and I want that day to be today. Yeah. But unless we champion those stories of women in motorsport, then it's not going to be the norm. Yeah. There are things that we that the media can be doing. Um, and, and it's all inclusive. It can't just fall on on a handful of, of people who are involved to make this change. It needs to be an all-inclusive yeah. um, approach. The media can be doing things like just making sure that the women who they feature on tv during the broadcast aren't only the wives and partners mm, they're showing the they're girls. making an effort to thankfully that's not on tv so no, not thankfully like <laughs> that's enough we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that next um yeah it needs it, the women doing the doing the jobs like engineering or mechanics and yeah there are fewer of them but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't show them on on tv like there was there was a camera in the matt stone racing garage over the weekend and they had one mechanics is female and she just happened to be on tv and i thought that's awesome like she's front and center right there and we're showing her we're showing everybody watching this broadcast that she's there and she's getting on the tools and that means without singing about it we're not going in there and doing an interview and saying how's it feel being a woman on motorsport. sport yeah they're just showing her that she's there and she's doing a job it's just like genuine, everyone yeah. else and it's genuine yeah, yeah exactly now in terms of like the pick the the grid girl side of it and the promo girl side of it um I actually have no issue with people choosing to earn money that way. It's, yeah. I, I'm not one of those people who's like, ban grid girls. I don't believe that they have a place in motorsport. You know, if the, that's how somebody wants to earn money, then good on them. It's not, we need and, to...
0: And, to, sorry to cut you off. No, that's all right. But,
1: <laughs> I'm probably getting on no, no, no. No, a a I, no, I like it. But
0: that girl, right? So I've personal, I know through a personal relationship... That one of the girls That's doing the grid girl thing Also studying to be a nurse Exactly You know what I mean Yeah So you just can't This is a problem with These blanket things mm. Of like being grid girls Okay well there's a fucking Very attractive girl That's been blessed with What she's been blessed with That's got great relationships With the, the um, company That books those girls Because over years She's shown up on time She's never fucked drivers You know what I mean Like that's a yep. There's a really good Woman, there that is like working, and then the money that she makes from that, she's fucking putting herself through nursing school. Exactly. So there's a problem with making those statements like ban this, but yeah, you've probably got uh, there's 100% dickhead versions of those girls, yeah, you know, but there's 100% dickhead drivers.
1: Yeah, totally. And (laughs) unfortunately, the yeah the girls who receive the bad press the drivers don't receive bad press in that respect um but the yeah i so remember talking to that. yeah I, I remember talking to a girl at um clipsol and she'd been a clipsal girl for like five years in a row while she was doing her seven years of medical degree mm-hmm. of becoming a doctor mm-hmm. and and then they banned clipsol girls and like you know what you could have done you could have made it you could have kept your quota of Clipsal promo staff, made them half male, half female, yeah. stopped them, you know, they don't have to wear seatbelts around the tits to because one year that was genuinely their outfit, literally just seatbelts around the tits. Yeah. Um, and, and put them in something that's still, you know, flattering and looks good and, and says what you want it to say about your brand, but have blokes there too. And yeah, there might be fewer men who will be going for those jobs or whatever. Yeah. But they're still there. They're brand ambassadors. Change it from being a promo girl and a grid girl. You're there as a brand ambassador. Yeah. You should put, um, you know, requirements in place. You have to know what you're advertising. You yeah. have to know who you're working for. You have to know what you're selling yeah. because you are there to promote that brand. So if we change this whole mindset from promo girls it's and grid girls yeah. to brand ambassadors or whatever you want to call it, yeah. promotional staff who are actually there to do a job, you know, have them, don't just have them standing there holding a sign and posing and what have you have them actually out there, like selling the product, educating people about, um, about what's being sold, taking down data so that that's actually useful for the company rather than just standing there posing for pictures or, or, you know, whatever they do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, there is like an experiential component though, to going to a race, right? like, you there to, I was when I when I was in America we worked with this firm um that would they worked for one of our clients and then we'd come together with this agency and this guy man he was a fucking stud like suits <laughs> kind of stud dude mm. you know and he just said three words everything he's like three words bro big and sexy big and sexy (laughs) big and sexy big and sexy and he'd say it over and i was just like fuck this guy with this big and sexy that's what it is yeah that's what sells man big and sexy and it's like the why why are we going and racing these fucking insanely fast cars around in a circle it's big and sexy yeah it's an experience like you are you're this average punter that lives the life that he lives and then you know for the majority of people that you're working this 9 to 5 existence that your days are mostly the same and then you get once a year or 500 rolls into town yeah. and it's a fucking carnival you know, like you want to see the big sexy cars. You want to see the big budgets, the big haulers, the hot girls. Like, I mean, fuck, I guess. Like, and the it, hot blokes. And that, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, there's some fucking good looking dudes there as well. But, you know, like there's an experiential component. Like you guys are selling an experience. Mm. Like come and see this pinnacle of, you know, what we're doing uh, in in the the country and in motorsports like v8 supercars like that is our pinnacle so i mean there is like an experiential component there yeah and it's like you're not making the cars look shit yep so why would you make the people that are involved with like i don't know i mean maybe there's a a bunch of holes in my argument yeah but Mm -hmm. to me it's like there is again just maybe we don't have to overthink certain things Mm. like this maybe things don't have to change maybe there's ways that like you said you can just put some processes in place where it's like let's make sure maybe these people have some connection to motorsports maybe these people have connections to the industry or there is certain requirements that it becomes more of a genuine thing but just to to cut a person's opportunity because they're great looking and have a fucking good set of tits. Like, is that <laughs> fair? Like, oh, is there equality in that? Like, you, yeah. we'd be doing that to kind of champion equality. Yeah. But then it's like, where's the equality in that? Like, ah, oh, sorry, you're too hot. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what 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 game are we really playing here?
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I, I will, I've been asked a few times over the years about, like, especially when... Um, Uh, Like the Miss Supercars thing was axed, Mm. and um, then Supercars changed their rules. Actually, Supercars has handled this so well. They didn't tell sponsors that they can't have promo girls, they gave guidelines on how they should approach promotional stuff. And I think Monster are the only ones who haven't adopted those guidelines and they still have that. But because that's their global marketing. strategy and they're not about to change for and (laughs) also they
0: inject a boat ton of cash into you know like the all industries of sport and motorsport Mm. as well
1: monster do you mean yeah yeah just like
0: globally you know what i mean like it's like you said it's a bigger part of the sport and it's like man we'd lose a lot more if monster pulled you know what i mean like if monster pulls the pin over something like that exactly
1: we'd lose a lot Totally. And that's why the supercars handled it so well. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I remember the year that the or girls were banned, which was oh, like two thousand sixteen, I wanna say. Um, I got a call from one of the T V journalists when we were flying down, um, and she said, We need to get a comment from one of your drivers on the clips of girls being banned. And I went, We don't have anything to say to yeah. on that. It it is what it is what why, we don't have anything to say. Yeah. Um and she kept pushing me and kept pushing me. She's like, Okay, well, can you give an official team statement? And I was like, We don't have promo girls, it's not something that we want to comment on. Well, who like, remind me who your team is again? Red Bull Racing Australia. Um so you have the Red Bull girls? I went, Oh,
0: no. By proxy.
1: <laughs> um, and, they, and she was like, she kept pushing me. She said, yeah, you get the girls who hand out the cans. I went, the Wings teams, they're, you know, they're not promo girls. They're hired as marketers. They're yeah. hired. They, yeah, they're a they're part student, of a team. Student it, brand within, managers or yeah. Wings teams yeah. or, or whatever they're called. And they're, um, they're there promoting a product. You ask any one of those girls who's handing out cans at events and sampling about the product, they know everything that there is to know. They can tell you yeah. everything they are so well educated on what they're selling and she's like and she kept pushing me and she's like are you telling me that they don't walk around in small clothes i went what those girls wear is not my business they wear what they're comfortable in and yeah. i'm not making any comment on what red bull do or don't require their staff to wear when they're out there they. sampling and i was like i'm about to hang up on you <laughs> but yeah, but I think that that what Red Bull do with the wings teams is is a great example of um, of how it can work well because these girls are, are usually at university. Yep. their wings teams on the side. There are certain because,
0: requirements to to be one of those girls. Yeah,
1: and they a lot of them then have great careers at Red Bull. A lot of them then yep. go and in, go into a permanent job when they come out of uni working for Red Bull, and it's it's an awesome career path. Um, and so what Red Bull do with their what the equivalent would be what this journalist clearly thought was a grid girl or a promo girl what red bull are actually doing is really really good and mm. they've done it for years it's been you know, it's been there it's been how they um how they market to students between between the wings teams and the student brand ambassadors it's what they've been doing for years and it's obviously highly successful and then they get like people like us to go in like our engineers will go in and, and do a lecture to the engineering students and stuff um that are organized by the student brand ambassadors and wings teams and it's yeah it's all it's kind of all encompassing and it's a really good holistic approach to marketing. Yeah. We've kind of diverted from the Proud no, Girls, no. Grid Girls, Women in Motorsport thing. <laughs> I like
0: tangents. Mm. I feel like it makes the time. It really feel, It really fills the time with uh, interesting things. So, <laughs> deviate all that you want because it, it is a it is a great argument like obviously I've got a super close relationship with Red Bull mm. and man I've got people that I've worked closely with that are in like really high positions at Red Bull that are female staff that were Wings mm. teams
1: yeah totally it's, it's a great way of finding talent at a young age and bringing them up to work in the Red Bull way. You know, we talk about bringing staff through and learning the 888 way and having them yeah. accustomed to the way we do things from a young age. And you talk about, is it is there more value in bringing in somebody from outside who has a lot of experience or is there more value in bringing somebody up from
2: yeah.
1: um, from the bottom, Within. you know, from from the start of their careers and teaching them how we do things and getting them to... to you know, into the triple eight mentality from an early age and, and yeah. getting them on our bandwagon. Um, You know, both have merits and both have disadvantages, but that's what Red Bull, that's what Red Bull do. They get you on board or they get the, the wings teams and student brand ambassadors on board at a young age and they sometimes get, you know, entire careers yeah. out of them. And um yeah, it's a, it's a good way of doing things. But yeah, coming back to like women in motorsport side of things, it's if we can... If we can make the image of women in motorsport yeah. more um, more normalised, then we'll get somewhere. Actually, I've had a <laughs> I remembered what you were talking about the physical side of like a woman being able to do a job and stuff. When it yeah. comes to the driving, people say, "Oh, the car doesn't know the difference between a male and a female." Absolutely right, but the way we put together the car does. Mm. And at the moment, if you look at um, like Formula Three. Um, or Formula Four, Ooh, um, there's no there's no power steering in those cars. Yeah. So when you've got uh, when you've got two fifteen year olds driving them, you know the boys going to be stronger. The girls going to struggle to to heave a car around that has no power steering. Things like um, there's a female uh, uh, Colombian female driver called Tatiana Calderon, when she was doing Formula Two and Formula Three on a global stage. Um, she had issues with the with the control pedal box every yeah. car has the same pedal box but her feet are like half the size of the next male half the size of the next male mm-hmm. driver's smallest feet so how on earth was she going to be able to use the throttle properly if her foot covers half the amount of the pedal as the other person does things like the 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 seat belts and the um the positioning of a five-point harness it's not made for yeah. a female yeah. the ergonomics of the car can be better far better designed to suit females and maybe we'll see more female drivers if the people putting them together think more about how they can benefit a benefit female driver so yeah of course the car doesn't know whether you're male or female yeah but it's the little things that we're doing along the way that can make a difference as to whether um a female driver will feel comfortable in the car
0: so to speak on molly because she's obviously a super successful rally driver in australia she still drives to subaru yeah when
1: she's here yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so is there a difference between again i'm like predominantly a two-wheel guy Mm. Uh, is there a difference between rally and the road stuff to where you think that a woman is better suited to is it the case that it's better suited to rally and you think that's why like why is molly special
1: um i think that there is Probably a difference between circuit and rally in terms of rally, you're out there on your own, yeah, and you're not racing side by side with anyone. Um, and I think that that if you go back to the grassroots of growing up driving cars, um, it's probably circuit racing is probably harder for girls. And I should, you know, maybe I'm not the most qualified person to yeah. say this because I'm not a driver, yeah. but um. There's a mentality in circuit in circuit racing of parents going, oh, but I don't want my little girl to be bashed around by the boys. Mm. So they're not, you know, they're not encouraged to yeah. do it yeah. as much. Um, and also boys being like, well, I can't be beaten by a girl. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to punt her off or whatever. You have yeah. to, like, girls have... There's a lot
0: to deal with. Yeah. Extra. yeah. There, and, you d- and as well, sorry to like kind of back up your point, you're dealing with... Young men Mm. that kind of don't know fucking anything. Yeah, (laughs) you know, like if you're a 13 year old dude, like, and you got a fucking (laughs) chick in the car next to you, that mentality of like, I can't get beaten by a girl. I mean, there's probably a lot of adult men out there that would still have that same mentality, but I feel like it's probably the dads. Yeah, true. (laughs) But as a teenage guy. Uh, you probably don't have the clarity of mind to go yeah. like, "Ah, that's probably a fucking dumb idea."
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. And you can't, you can't, blame can't see for that. if you're <laughs> if you're in carts and you're being beaten by a girl, then it's maybe she's lighter, maybe she's faster. You know, you have to think about the practical things instead of going, oh, "I'm being beaten by a girl." But then on to the rally side of that, you're not you're not side by side with anyone. Yeah, it's okay. just you in the car and your co-driver. Yeah. Um, and but. Having said that, also you can't start doing rally until you've got your drivers until you've got your road license. Um, so yeah, you don't start doing rally until until an older mm. age. Um, but yeah, Molly is yeah Molly's been successful because she's having talked to a couple of co drivers now that I'm now that I'm in the rally world yeah, and spoken yeah. to a few co drivers. They just say about Molly, she's she's 110 all the time. Yeah. She doesn't she she's doesn't back off. Superstar. She's just Yeah, she's when she's driving, her commitment to every corner is just next level. And until I got in the car with Molly um, in November last year and did a hot lap with her, I did not fully appreciate the difference between circuit racing and rally. It's wild, isn't it? It's just, oh, it's insane. Like the way that they throw the car around, the way their feet work, the way you take corners, the the attitude of the car, the, the way that they... The, yeah the way that you throw the weight of the car around is the biggest thing but it's just totally totally different and yeah. yeah obviously i had an appreciation that they're that they're different but i did not fully appreciate it until i got in the car with molly it's just insane yeah so much respect that's awesome yeah
0: i i've yeah low-key massive fan of hers i yeah. actually sat um we record uh we rent the studio out and uh, one of the podcasts that happens in here i had her on and i was just watching the listeners podcast like you are a fucking jeep yeah well like,
1: when she's back from europe
0: yeah yeah definitely get her on it's funny um so renee gracie she was renting this studio she's been on gypsy tales as well yeah i've listened um, to her episode yeah oh yeah i fucking love her she's yeah. awesome so she is a like what when you were saying you know when you're a teenage young uh girl and you're dealing with these guys she's literally punched drivers mm. as a 14 year old girl like so there is the the argument for equality and like women should be able to do this and they can do it. yeah 100% yep. how many women want to do that like i know renée personally now i've spent a lot of time around her she ain't normal mm. like she ain't a normal chick man she is not like any other chick i've ever spent time around yeah. she is a fucking savage <laughs> and that's why you saw that girl make her way through racing and yeah. stick out karting and she's got no qualms telling someone to fuck off like a big dude to fuck off you know she's just yeah. got such a unconventional attitude for the average woman like you're not yeah. coming across her and then even going into the only fan stuff like before that interview with her i had no idea that headspace that she would occupy as a person that would like let her do that right yeah and i came away from that interview thinking hmm okay I, she can do that yep you know that only thing mentally she's fucking down with it yep. there's a lot of other chicks that could not expose themselves in that way and be okay with it so it's like there's a woman that and i mean is that you people could probably pull this argument part of her making it to V8 supercars whatever like you could say that she was only there because she was a woman whatever she was a special kind of chick yep. that could deal with that environment she kind of thrived in that environment like the hostility that was sent towards her and like the the hostility between other drivers and the media she fucking thrived in that environment and you yeah. can see it in the career that she's in now she fucking thrives in it yeah. so it's like it does, when you are a woman, to go into this male-dominated sport, like, you can't just put a, a, a nice girl who's good at driving a race car and sit her in that seat and then go, okay, you've got this opportunity... Like, go and make it work. It literally takes a special person that kind of can make it work. And I think it's in the same way that you're a special person in a sense of you're down to be a woman in a male-dominated industry that you've, you've got this special criteria, like even down to not wanting to have kids. Like, there's some special things about you that have allowed you to excel in this kind of world. Mm. And I think that that's sometimes a, an argument that gets lost when when you're talking about like whether it's women in motorsport or you know women in any male dominated industry it's like the interest like men are fine to be hostile towards each other i do jujitsu i fucking like fighting people (laughs) like it's fun to me actually it feels good that's not normal for even most dudes yeah you know so it, it just it does take these outliers and for it to become more normal it's like it's a slow process of just finding these weird fucking outliers that are down to be in these extremely um uncommon unorganic positions for women to be in yeah to then give more women the confidence and it's it's a very very slow process and in my head it makes sense
1: yeah no i think you're i think you're spot on it does it takes the people who are doing something different and it comes back to what we're saying earlier along that spectrum of like extreme on one hand extreme on the other finding the middle and you need to go to that extreme in order to bring it back to the middle and it takes people like Renee and um and Molly and people who are willing to go you know what fuck all of you who said somewhere along the line I can't do something
2: yeah
1: um and yeah I probably have an element of that as well everybody every time somebody said you know at the end of the day I'm I'm a lucky sperm child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I've, I'm blessed to have been born to the parents that I have been and, and exposed the industry that I have and be able to, to you didn't follow choose into that, that. The same
0: way you didn't choose your movie.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like you, yeah, it's, it's what you kind of, although I didn't choose any of, of that, it's then what you do with it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like Renee is is obviously carved too successful. Well, I mean, it's debatable whether she, you know, whether racing is is success. I see it as successful because she um, paved the way for other people. Anybody who saw her, any young girl who saw her driving and said, yeah. "Oh, there's a girl driving." I I feel like I could do that too. That to me is success. Yeah. Um, and she's successful at what she's doing now. Actually, that was yeah. I <laughs> I copped a bit of heat for when all of that kind of came out in the motorsport world. Oh. Um, really? Because, you know, everyone knew that she'd been doing it or everyone who who knows her knows that she's been doing it for a while. And I don't know Renee personally or anything. Um, Had very little to do with each other over the years. Um, But when that all kind of came out and was news, as the chair of the Australian Women in Motorsport Commission, Mm. I had an awful lot of heat on me to say, oh, we should make a statement and and condone it. it. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. sorry, condemn it, not condone it. Yeah, yeah. and you know publicly say that we're against it and i was like why the fuck would i do that i don't care what she's doing yeah. if she she's happy she's making money she's making she's making more money in one month than i'll probably ever make in my lifetime man yeah. like and credit to her like i don't she's not hurting anyone with what she's doing and i have nothing but respect for somebody who can go out and do something well mm. and regardless of whether it's finding a vaccine for covid or putting your vagina on the internet <laughs> like it doesn't bother me what you're doing because it doesn't have any impact yeah. on me unless it's hurting you on and it's the same with people who are like you know against I don't know gay marriage or yes. or gender equality or anything like that is it hurting you, you if those two if those two if a gay couple yeah male or female chooses to get married is it offensive yeah. is it does it personally hurt you well, no. Then why are you so? Why does it? Why does it yeah, bother
0: what, you so much? What weird thing are you attached to? Because that's, <laughs> well, that's what that's yeah. what it is. Like if you don't like any of that shit, you're attached to something weird, and yeah. you could probably let that go. I'd,
1: why? Why waste time and energy on something that that doesn't affect you? And you know, yeah, it's probably not ideal for the headlines to read: race driver becomes porn star or whatever. It's not an ideal headline, but it's it does it's not that's not renee like it's not her making the headlines it's just the life that she's living so god like let her go on with it and she's she's fucking smashing it like yeah Yeah. (laughs) it doesn't bother me
0: no it's a good it's a good way um it is a good way to look at and yeah like there's just i guess there's a, a ton of different ways where that um could be like attaching yourself to those things it just ends up being negative in a way anyway because like you just Mm. got no control over what people do once they leave a sport you know and like yeah you don't want to discourage women from getting into things in the first place you know because at the end of the day like that's a headline about a woman that was in the sport Mm. and it could be about anything you know and and she got negative headlines when she was racing and not doing porn
1: exactly <laughs> she, can't, she can't bloody win poor girl <laughs> well she's winning now
0: so she's, she's doing well b- yeah she is killing it um but yeah very dis, very different person like she's just not an average girl so it's mm. like it's not like uh like it makes sense to me why more girls would rather go and hang out and go shopping with their mom and do nails and all the cliche shit that i'm saying you know yeah it, it makes more sense that they'd want to do that than like like renee's a fucking super aggressive person like even just sitting in here talking about the most random shit she'd just be like really aggressive about it and it's (laughs) like she'll tell stories of you know growing up as a race car driver like it just takes a special person to to Mm. do that it's not the average interest for a chick and it's the same way that um it's being a race car engineer is not an average interest for for most women, you know?
1: And to make a difference, you've got to want to take that bit that's different of you and do something with it. like embrace it. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you have to not want to rest on that just being an aspect of your personality. Like for Molly, she's she's taken something that she enjoys, she's taken a skill and she's taken the fact that she's competitive and taken that to the top of her game by being australian rally champion and now she's a two-time race winner of an extreme e and like she's just smashing it and um like on a on a personal level i could there there were these i remember back in um in college in um like so sixth form with college it's i don't know if that's like high school here i don't know it's what you do when you're like just about to go to uni like Like, your your last years of school so i was like 16 17 18 yeah not quite 18 um and i was part of the group that was like putting together the yearbook so my friends and i did did the yearbook for a whole year and you have votes at the end of it and one of the you know people win awards and stuff so it's like best looking guy best looking girl best dressed funniest and um most likely to to win an oscar or whatever yeah. one of them was most likely to never leave home and i got a weird number of <laughs> votes <laughs> like and i was already planned to be leaving home like after after the yearbook was all published i was you know my mum was moving house and i literally didn't have anywhere to, i lived out of a suitcase for a few weeks because then i was moving to australia the first time um but so yeah I have no idea why oh, looking back I can see why you know I was the I was the girl with a well-off family and I rode horses and you yeah, know did all, yeah, the, yeah. did all that stuff but I guess that that kind of that was one of those things that even now so that was when I was like 17 almost 18 and I'm now 30 it still sticks with me so somewhere along the line it must have like fueled a fire to yeah. me you know what everyone who everyone who thought that i'd never leave home or you know would always be reliant on mum and dad and you know fuck you yeah i'm a like i said earlier i'm a lucky sperm kid but i'm never going to sit back and just rest on those laurels and that's not how i was brought up and even if it was how i was brought up i probably wouldn't do that anyway like me and my sister yeah we're so we we are very fortunate to have the family that we have but we both work bloody hard and i think if i like Yeah, if I if I have the opportunity to do more, then I always take it because I always just want to be like pushing myself to that next to the next level to see to see to see how far I can push my personal limits of of what I can do, but also to kind of get that the the external pressures and expectations and just say fuck you, I can you know, I can do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to I'm going to impress whoever it might be who god knows who i'm trying to impress but i'm going to be that person who who stands out and does something different so you need to you need to take that element of your personality and run in order to make a difference
0: was it hard to go into the organization that your dad owns and know that you were gonna like good looking chick dad owns the team right there (laughs) (laughs) you know that's it Um, end of end of question it's like that's gonna come with some baggage And you would have known that. There's like, there's no way you go into that role not knowing that.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. When I came back to Australia after I'd finished my journalism degree in the UK, this was when I was, I'd just turned 22. And the plan wasn't for me to work for Triple Eight, um it was to work so, somewhere else that that kind of didn't end up coming to to fruition um so, <laughs> not another team <laughs> <laughs> shit detail what <laughs> damn scandal um no so i yeah i was supposed to work um work somewhere else in like media um still within motorsport but in in media and at that point, I still thought that I wanted to be a TV presenter and you know work in TV land and things. And <laughs> thank God I left that behind. But then actually, now I've come full circle and I'm now back in it. Um, and there was an element of me that when that kind of fell through and we decided to put that role that I would have been doing externally, we brought it in house. So it made sense. It wasn't like it was like oh, we're just going to put just Jess in the I organizer, it, yeah. 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 It was a role that needed to be done, that in the old structure had been outsourced, um, but then change in sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. It ended up not being outsourced, and we brought the role in house. So that role would have existed in house whether I'd taken it or not. Yeah. And there was an element of me that went, "Oh, I don't want to just you know leave uni and go and work for my dad because of I you know worrying about what other people think." And I spend so much of my life worrying about what other people think. Um, but that, again, was like, oh, what, what will that look like from the outside? And that was one of the things that fueled um, in 2015 going and doing something completely separate to motorsport and working in TV production. Um, and then at the end of that, I was like, well, I know that I want to work in motorsport. And I know that I like I need to work in a team, but I can't go and work for another team because my surname's Dane. And um, I feel like a failure going back to Triple Eight. So yeah, I've always felt the kind of the the external pressures of oh you're just working for your dad. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) but is is there anything wrong with that? I think if I was and this is coming back to the whole male female thing. I think if I was a guy, yeah, it would be different. People wouldn't just wouldn't be Mm. so much like oh you're just working for dad. And I know like you've had Ryan on this show, Ryan Walkinshaw. um, Yeah. And he might have been in a similar situation of...
0: Yeah, but, you know, people say the same... I'm sure people say the same shit about him. Like, it's probably just a conversation that cannot be avoided. And you're yeah. right. Like, I'm sure the there's, like, the succession to the son. Like, that makes a lot more sense than the than going to the daughter. Like, mm. you are right. But, man, you're kind of fucked if you do and fucked if you don't, really, eh?
1: Yeah, and I'm fortunate that... Um Well, not fortunate because I've worked for it. Like, I've proved that I've proved that I deserve to be there. I've worked in enough different areas of the team that I'm not just a one trick pony. Um, and i've earned my place over the years and anybody who knows my dad knows that he's probably harder on me than he is on most people not helped by the fact that if we're in the office and we have a disagreement i'll shout back but not many other people will i'm getting that under control i'm i'm shouting back less but then he then separately shouts at me for not shouting back at him he's like oh you just you know you just just like lie down. If there's if there's conflict, you rather just turn away and ignore it. And I'm like, no, I'm not turning away and ignoring it. I'm trying not to call you a C bomb in the yeah. middle of the office.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> because that will only end in, in more more okay. fucks being flown and um, you know, it's not conducive to anyone if we're shouting in the middle of the office. Um so yeah, it's he's hard he's harder on me than than mm. I think he is on anyone else. He'll certainly say he will give me far less praise and far less feedback. He, he hardly ever gives me feedback and man, it shits me when like we had, it was the first time that I'd ever gone and kind of pitched to a sponsor. and I was going in first ever pitch. It was just me and him, um, the, the people from the sponsors and a couple of people from supercars. And I was pitching for a million (laughs) dollars and like no small sum of money. And then at the end of the day, flew back from Sydney and we were on our way to go and get dinner. Um, And I said, oh, do you have any feedback for me? And he said, you should think more wisely about the way you dress and also not put makeup on the makes you look like you've been punched in the eye. And I was like, (laughs) I was thinking, like, along the lines, if he said that to me now, I'd fucking flip at him. (laughs) But at the time, I just, like, I'm not great in the moment. I was just like...
0: Just locked up. (laughs) Right,
1: okay. I was thinking more something constructive about, you know, how I presented the pitch, something I can do better next time. Um, it's not like,
0: like dad the dad right. criticizing my movie uh date outfit choice
1: it's like, in hindsight i should have been like who the fuck are you to comment yeah. on what dress i wear yeah. to or how you know how i do my makeup or whatever to to a sponsor pitch like who the fuck are you to ask me that
2: that's so funny
1: or to comment on that um but yeah his, his feedback and and his like his advice is so I don't know it's just different it's different to me to ev- to everyone else yeah and over the years when i've asked for advice i can remember when he's he's uh um one of the directors at pwr which manufactures yeah, yeah. cooling technology um and for, for motorsport primarily and i remember a few years ago i said to him can um like i want to invest in pwr can you give me advice on the stock market and he just went "Nah, probably <laughs> no it's risky i probably wouldn't and i was like <laughs> anything else and he was like no that's about it and then like literally a few weeks later um my partner at the time said oh i think you've investing in pwr hour later they finished the entire conversation about investing in pwr and the stock markets and stuff and i was like why why is that different how <laughs> why why couldn't you have just had that conversation with me why am i hearing this second hand so it's it's certainly been in terms of triple eight i'm yeah. definitely not had it easy but i think that it also makes that makes me a that puts me in a better position to be able to see what he's done Mm. what he does exceptionally well with the team because god you don't put a team together like that for 20 years and have the have the success that we've had for almost 20 years Mm. by being shit like he he's he's an incredible incredible role model incredible business person i'm so lucky to get to learn, learn off him every day but i can also see what he's not so good at and where Mm. i can come in and fill those gaps and jamie and i when we'll be kind of running the team together next year onwards um we're able to sit back and say okay well that's you know that that's a tick that's a tick that's a cross that we need to work on that and how we can do that that differently um and i think that the general the general reception to us running the team together is has been positive um and that makes me feel better <laughs> knowing that it's been been quite positively received um but still of course there'll be people who are like oh, what you know what credentials does she have even now if something goes up on the internet either you know usually about on supercars or speed cafe or, or whoever might be kind of covering it or there's a video on rebel ample channels or something there's still always the people who are like why is daddy's girl you know fronting the team and you know i've been doing some some broadcast work for supercars just like um web videos for a mutual sponsor of ours yeah and some of the comments are like why is the boss's daughter wearing plain clothes it's so unprofessional why isn't she wearing a team shirt Mm. i'm like firstly his because it's for a sponsor. It's not, you know, yeah. I'm, I can't be sitting there interviewing somebody from Kelly Grove Racing wearing a Rempel, Rempel, Red Bull Ample shirt. Yeah. But why does it matter that I'm the boss's daughter? What has yeah. that got to do with any, anything? Like, yeah. why? There's always the people jumping in and being like, making some snide comment about oh daddy's girl and it's just like when i was made chair of the um australian women in motorsport commission people like oh it's just another way of roland dane to get his fingers into into race control at motorsport australia and i was like okay if anyone knew the backstory of how this all came about (laughs) it had absolutely nothing to do with my dad it was all it was all me
3: yeah
1: um but there's always going to be those people and you know i had a rant a few months ago um a couple yeah a couple of months ago on, on my instagram page when i was going through a fun insomnia session of um about like negative feedback on um social media and it got like i couldn't believe how many views it got and how yeah. like how far it went and how got far it got picked up and the reception from it like it has hundreds of comments on it um and i'm overwhelmed by how much support it got because i don't i'm not one for kind of putting myself out there and because who gives who gives a shit about my opinion? My opinion mm. is just you know as useless as the next person's. But um, yeah, it did like it was a per, it was a very personal post for me. I'm not I don't put that kind of personal side of myself out there much. And um, yeah, for them for the support to come out of that because yeah. it was all about the haters and the wankers who say stuff on social media whose voices are just way too loud. And I know that you've spoken about this um, to several guests on your podcast about. Um, like the wankers on social media and what social media stands for and that kind of stuff. But again, more doesn't tangents. Make it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make it easier though. No, even, no, even when the, you,
0: even when you know,
1: I, I try not to read comments and it was actually a lot of people thought that I had been reading comments about myself when I made that video, oh, um, yeah. but I hadn't, I actually was looking at um, comments about, uh, we've got one female engineer called Romy, who's an absolute gun. I love her. Um, and it was comments like, um, you know, why do we give a shit? How is this news? Like, it was Romy talking about coming back to, to engineering after being on maternity leave. Mm. I don't think there's been any engineers in supercars who've gone on maternity leave and then come back four months later to engineer a race car.
0: Yeah,
3: Like, true. she's
1: incredible. That's
0: interesting, yeah.
1: Um, And people are like, why the fuck is this news? Another yeah. 888 story, don't, don't want to hear it. And then the next post after that was one about Charlie Robinson, who... Um, has joined the broadcast um, for yeah, joined the Supercars broadcast this year as a pit lane reporter and one of the loveliest people. She's such a sweetie, and the th- yeah, comments on yeah. it are just brutal. Oh. And that's what upset me. I'm like, you don't know these people. You have absolutely no right to say any of the stuff that you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, social media is it gives voice to opinions, but why does anyone care about your opinion? Yeah. It's so irrelevant. It's nasty and like yeah why does anyone want to hear it no why is your opinion important enough to bash keys on a keyboard and hit enter yeah Mm.
0: it's just account it's just (laughs) accountability it's accountability nah it's fine there's people there's no real accountability for it you know like you can just say it so 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 easily but with you going into that role next year do you feel like there's a part of you that has to like change or like act a little bit differently or do you think that you're going to pull back from things because you're going to be way more in the public eye or like the media eye like is it have you thought about how that's going to go
1: not probably that side of it. What I'm conscious of is how it affects your relationships with people who you work with. So at the mm. moment, like I've got, I've got good friendships, like genuine friendships, with people uh, who I work with. Yeah. And even now, so I've just in the last um, month or so taken on HR, and even now it's I can. That's a feel hard job the, to have friends. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. And I can already feel my relationships with people changing and in some ways it's for the better because knowing that I'm now knowing that I'm more responsible for for people I'm making more of an effort to to get to know people who I wouldn't necessarily know as well and spend time with them and check in with them um probably just probably just being a decent human being (laughs) but um so it's good from that respect um but for on the other side of it yeah it makes it really hard when you're sitting across the table from someone telling them that you know, and, and thankfully it hasn't happened yet, but telling somebody that their performances are good enough or whatever when you're genuinely. You practice on Ronin. <laughs> But uh, are we friends? Fair. Fair. I don't know. Are we friends? Yeah, okay. no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just roast him all day long. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely yeah. That that side of it is is going to be difficult. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of like the media, I don't know. I haven't really, I hadn't really given well, I that any thought. <laughs> no, yeah, like I don't know. Yeah. What do you mean?
0: Well, I mean, for I know for me, like I've pulled away from like a bunch of shit. Like, there's just. Conversations you don't want to have over and over, and you know you go to places where you know people are going to know who you are, and it's like, mm. Mm. like because you know you said before, you know, like you're not doing it to be famous, and you don't yeah. like the acknowledgement. I'm 100 in that in that lane, and that was honestly for the first couple of years, like the biggest problem of this podcast for me was wrestling with that. Yeah, but I okay. definitely know, like, if I know I'm going to be a place where a lot of people know. Uh, I going to know who I am like it yeah. changes how I I guess it changes my mindset going into those places I feel like I'm a little bit more hesitant now
1: a bit more reserved yeah way mm. way
0: way more um, I think
1: I can think of one element of life where maybe that's true and it's on like Hinge and Tinder and stuff actually I can't really say Hinge because I I've got like halfway through setting up my profile and got bored. Yeah, kill me now. Um, but yeah, if somebody's like, "Oh, I know who you are," then I'm like, "Nah, delete." Yes, yeah, I can't. Single. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really awkward. Mm. Like, <laughs> I don't like it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that. I guess that's the only place where I've I don't like people have preconceived ideas anyway. But yeah. also, it's like, nah, it's weird. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. But, um. Yeah, interesting. I will I hope keep that didn't I hope I didn't them.
0: plant any weird seeds in your head there that you hadn't no, thought about. Probably not. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I could see like going into a role like that, um, you know, extremely high profile, and there's, you know, going to be a lot of pressures and, and the the problem this is like the fucked up thing is that you can associate a bad race result with you or Mm. a bad race result with you and jamie like look at williams in formula one you know like you've got the daughter of you know williams yeah one of the most successful race teams of all time and then they start doing shit and she's at the helm and then all of a sudden like i mean there is a lot of just extra bullshit that um that can come with it yeah
1: yeah probably yeah and it's yeah, we've got big ass shoes to fill. Like, mm. <laughs> How we're going to continue that success is, um, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. But equally, I know that RD will leave us with all of the tools to do it and, yeah. and prepare us. Jamie us. and I have to make sure that we're going to feel as best prepared as possible to to take on that challenge. And um, I'm excited for it. And it will be a challenge for both of us. Yeah. Um, and I think that we both operate best when we feel like we're being challenged. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, it's a a thought. It's a concern about the performance side of things. But, um, yeah, ultimately, I'm not the person... I'm not going to be producing the race wins. I need to look after the people who will be producing the race wins. So, um, as long as I know that I'm doing the best I can... Yeah. um, Although that bar is very high. I don't feel like I've ever done the best I can at anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it all hmm yeah i don't know we'll find out we'll find out (laughs) (laughs) we can speculate we can speculate but um yeah i guess we'll guess we'll find out when we get there
0: yeah interesting and so we were at the start we were talking about the fact that triple eight is expanding in a time where you didn't think that was going to be happening what what like i mean i don't know if it's out there um previously but like what sort of stuff like what's the expansion and what was the thinking behind it and because I'm assuming to expand in that way there's some pretty cool shit that's going down
1: yeah it's it's exciting so working on the ventilator program uh, so if anyone's not aware we've Friday thirteenth, two thousand 2020, The uh, the world turned to shit with COVID. Yes. <laughs> we all packed our bags and left the Grand Prix, having not turned a lap that day.
0: Fuck, that was the shittest day. Literally, I the was world came so, kind of crashing down. I was with, did the podcast with Jamie, and uh, oh yeah, Diz, you did,
1: yeah yeah. And then
0: I was so fucking excited. There was a bunch yeah. of cool people that I was gonna be able to meet that i'd never met before and uh excited to hang excited to do that and then fucking walking into that that
1: was the eerie
0: experience right like walking into the gate and i'm walking in and everybody's walking out because we Mm. still had the fucking talking ball trailer there and i had all my equipment it was so bizarre (laughs) so bizarre i can't (laughs) imagine how it felt for you
1: so yeah it was it was eerie it was like it was like in one of those disaster movies, yes. the silence, the calm before the storm, or when you know when you're in the eye of the storm, yes. and everything's all still, and you're like, oh, everything the world else is yeah. and then bam, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. everything turns to shit around you. That was literally what happened that day. So um, yeah, we got back from got back to base on uh, Friday 30th Had a had a little rendezvous probably on the on the Saturday or Monday. I can't remember. And within two weeks, we'd built our first prototype ventilator. God, um, that's cool. And we were involved with state government and then um, uh, and then federal government. And then it got um, got to the WHO as well. Basically, you know, design a prototype for a field hospital situation. So what we were seeing in Italy and New York and, yeah. and places where they had more COVID patients than beds. And the ventilators are obviously, were then designed to be used next to beds. So we needed a ventilator that could be used in the middle of, you know, a... a the equivalent of the um, Millennium Dome in, in the UK or yeah, um, yep, yep, you know, yep. one of those field hospital environments yep. um, and so that Madison's got Quay us Garden into something like that. Yeah. spot on yeah so that got us into um, diversification of you know what, what else can we do outside of motorsport and there were an awful lot of It was driven by by knowing that we needed to do something outside of motorsport if we want Triple Eight to to keep going. Because at that time we were like, "Well, is motorsport even going to exist?" Like, there's as we've touched upon, motorsport is literally getting a car from A to B as fast Mm. as possible. And in the grand scheme of priorities, if the world completely goes pear-shaped, that is not going to be a priority. Mm-hmm. That's going to be so far down the it's list. the first thing that gets chopped. So how do we make sure that we've got a business and looking after the people um, when we don't know what the future is going to look like? Yeah. And from that, we started getting more involved in the manufacturing side of things and identifying opportunities outside of motorsport, And uh, that led to Ardy having a gut feeling similar to how I have of knowing that um, now is the time to expand, and we leased a building that's like 100 meters down the road, yep. and we're moving, um, we're moving all of our manufacturing down there. It's in the process the of moving stuff at the moment. that's in the back. Is Fabrication go, yeah, and machines yeah, yep, all yep, down yep. the road, and we're um, we're investing or have invested in a robotic welder, um, laser cutter, like next level technology that is. It's hardly seen in Queensland, let alone or, or in Australia, let alone Queensland. Yeah. So we're going to be able to do bespoke manufacturing um, where it did take 1,500 man hours to make a chassis. Um, sorry, or 500 man hours to, to weld a chassis together. It's now going to take 50. Um, yeah, the the level of production is So the boys can crash the be... car
0: whenever they want?
1: No. <laughs> 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 only if they want to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's the production that we can that we can do with it is through the roof you know we've you apply for grants and stuff so that we can hopefully keep you know investing in the machinery um and with every investment that we make productivity can go up
2: yeah processes
1: Um, and then we can processes it's all in the processes and the checklists um and that we can upskill staff and we can bring in new staff and it's a really really exciting time um to be not just working on projects within motorsport um, yeah. sorry ex- so it's it's within motorsport and external to motorsport so we've got things that you know we want to hi for anyone listening the dog just came to see me hi my fellow illegal immigrant <laughs> um so we're we're identifying areas that we can work in in both within motorsport and external so external is things like aviation and and defense
2: yeah
1: um that motorsport people see the benefit of working with motorsports because we can do things on a much shorter time frame. Yes. If, yeah. in yeah. aviation if you want to get something done it takes you know it takes years yeah. whereas we can get it done in a matter of months you're because rogue when you're mm, exactly. Yeah. So we can we can get shit done in a far shorter time frame than than other industries still always to the same specifications and and you know ticking all the right boxes and making sure that it's as safe as possible but because we live our lives round to round we know that if we don't have we identify that we need to develop a part in order to make something work better and go faster we know that for every round we sacrifice and we don't have that part we reduce our chances of winning so we're always up against it and that's how we work. Whereas in other industries it's like, oh, that would be nice to have, but is it going to affect your bottom line? Probably not.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. So if
1: we can bring that sense of urgency to these other industries, then they're only going to benefit.
0: Yeah. Well, we've done three hours. Man. And I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> it. I'm so <laughs> glad that you. we got to make it happen. Mm. It took a while, but we got there in the end.
1: I have to say, I don't feel um like I'm cool enough to be on this podcast. You've 100% and I'm not are. no, but I'm not the only one who thinks it so I told shane a while ago that we were trying to make this happen oh, yeah and shane uh, i said oh do you do you listen to um to jason's podcast And he's like yeah i really like listening to the stuff with the um with the um, moto riders and um i told him that i was that we were trying to organize for me to come on and he said really like <laughs> y- are you sure and i was like yeah i don't feel cool enough and he's like no you're not. not yeah i said are you gonna listen to my episode and he went mm, no, probably not. I was like, okay, yeah, no, cool. No, i like, okay.
0: That's so <laughs> I funny. I like, might
1: watch a clip on YouTube, but then I'll probably get bored after two minutes and turn it off. I, like, I,
0: um, I thought I was done with Giz after Talking Bull. I just thought I, I roasted him <laughs> for riding quads. And yeah. uh, there's like a, f- a friend of mine in America, he's got this, uh, he, wrote, he had like this satire motocross blog that just went viral back when blogs <laughs> were a thing. And um, he had this hashtag called Nuke the Quads. And we we're like halfway through the talking ball <laughs> thing with oh, that's the um we we're halfway through the talking ball thing and I was like oh I nuke the quads and he was just I, I just got the vibe I was like oh fuck probably shouldn't have like dissed him about <laughs> <his> quads? <laughs> like, he loves them and I was like oh okay he Sha-, can take it I was like yeah Shane Shane and but Bergen hates me now and um <laughs> and then we've actually become good mates I'm fucking big fan big yeah. big fan Giz is my horse. He's races. your horse. you
1: Yeah. Oh, you're a, a, the, yeah. yeah, yeah that's, well, yeah. You should. You should be backing him this year. Is he's, he's doing very well. He's doing all right.
0: Yeah. Well, he in got,
1: in okay. his own words, now that Scott McLaughlin is fucked off to America, he's <laughs> it's clicking for
0: him. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I want to get him out on the on the bike, but um.
1: Oh Jesus, mate! Can you cross this no, off yeah, with me yeah, yeah, first. No, <laughs>
0: yeah. I was, we're not doing that until season <laughs> season's what over what bike are we talking? Motocross bike
1: yeah no he was he was riding a lot in new zealand over and then uh, he was like right i'm gonna get a bike in um in australia and i was like yeah me too okay when are you getting your bike because you can take my bike on your trailer because i trust that you'll be getting the trailer and all the shit to go with it so you can take my bike (laughs) and then um, he broke his collarbone
0: do you ride or like Mm. motorbikes so you've ridden motorbikes yeah
1: not i haven't done much in the last few years i think i was last out on a dirt bike like just over a year ago um so yeah not for not for a while um i I'm booked into, because I've been on my RE license, like my restricted oh, license this whole time. Have you
0: got a bike? Like you've Not got at a, the moment, no. Yeah, okay. I did have
1: a KTM that I sold a few years ago. A Ducati. Um, mm, there's something brewing there. Yeah, so actually space, I wanted to I ask you about
0: that here on my list of notes that I haven't <laughs> looked at until hour three. Ducati lap. What was, what was your, uh, so first of all, fuck all that. <laughs> um what was your experience like?
1: Oh my god, wasn't it just the best? Honestly, like we were coming through like Turn 2 at this is at Hidden Valley in Darwin. Um so I was on the back of a um 2 seater Panigale, Panigale yeah, yeah, yeah. with Mike Jones riding and we we're on like Turn 2 lap 2. I went Oh my God, this is like the coolest three minutes of my life is going to be over in like the next 45 seconds. And now I don't want to, don't know what to do with my life. Like, that was genuinely the thoughts that went through my head. That's so sick. Um, oh, the coolest thing. Literally couldn't breathe. Um, the, on, on this new two seater, the um, pillion. Seat is quite high. Yeah. Um, we're coming down the straight, and Mike tucked himself down. So you're getting there, and I was like full in the chest, 300 Ks down front straight at Darwin. Oh, Oh, fucking coolest thing ever. And then afterwards, he said, He was like, Oh, was that was that brutal? I went, Mate, if I had like if I had had a spasm in my hand, I would have DNF'd into that wall so fucking hard. (laughs) Luckily, I held on. Um, but uh, yeah, he was like, Yeah, I, I ducked down, but then I realized you were getting all the wind in your chest. But by that time, it's too late for too me late, to move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Cheers, mate. I, I hung on. But yeah, no, just I feel so, so lucky. But so leading into that, people are like, Oh, I heard you're going on the back of a Ducati. Are you like, are you nuts? That's my like, impression. What? I was like, But nothing, no part of me ever thought to say. And it's weird because. So Alana at Ducati, who was yeah. kind enough to organize it all.
0: The best. Um,
1: oh, isn't she a legend? Yes. Um, she had asked me if we could put Jamie or Shane on the back. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Absolutely not. I'm not letting them do that before a, ride, before a race yeah. weekend or yeah. a full stop. Yeah. And then she went, what about you? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> But then I'm like, so why is it not okay for my drivers to do it? But for me, I'm like, what could go wrong? And yeah. literally no part of me ever thought, and this is just the way I think, no part of me, ever thought that something could go wrong and i don't get i don't get scared like none i wasn't nervous in the slightest so many people are like you're braver than me i would never do that yeah. aren't you nervous no part of me ever thought that uh, you'd say no i'd to be that. Yeah. yeah no part of me ever like had an A tiniest element of nerves but having said that i would never get nervous getting in the passenger seat of a car i wasn't nervous before i jumped out of a plane when i went skydiving i wasn't nervous before i bungee jumped like i just don't so you're a psycho i don't uh, yeah i must be cool (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, no part of me gets nervous. You know, when I do get nervous, Bathurst 1000. Because mm. none of that none is of within my control. control. Yeah. yeah, I know that I've done everything I can to set up the race, to, to like do my part to look after the drivers and whatever leading into the race. And then it's completely over to them and the pit crew and the car. Um but yeah, no. Long story short, Ducati ride was just the best thing ever. So yeah, watch this space on the Ducati front. Oh, okay. uh, Something brewing. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Um, didn't didn't he crash it too? After yeah,
1: he did. Yeah, bend it on like.
0: During qualifying Oh, okay. So Not when I was on the (laughs) Yeah, no no. no. I knew I thought it was that same sort of day on the same bike and went out there. So that's okay, fair enough. Yeah,
1: yeah, during qualifying the next day. Um and he's just, yeah, he's just had four weeks off. Um broken toe, broken finger.
2: Um
1: yeah, it was brutal at Darwin. A lot of they were they were um having some issues with the curbs. Mm. Like he one of the riders full snapped a toe on one of the curbs. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. No, a few like three riders had the same injury from one curb.
0: Yeah, right. And so so do you ride dirt bikes as well as road bikes, like you I've done
1: it? like I haven't I haven't ridden on the road for for a long time, so that's one of the reasons. I never bothered getting my my open license because I just never needed to like i had a i had a um a 390 i had yeah. a 390 duke so i yeah. didn't need to because your open license you can on your res you can ride up to 600, 600 yeah so i just never needed to and yeah. then um yeah lining something up with ducati um yeah. and they're now sorting my my what
0: bike are you looking at
1: um the new monster So they're sorting for me to get the um to get my open license to do something with around that. Yeah,
0: there's the the Um, guy. I actually did mine recently with a guy. Uh, down here so if you need someone he was really really good they've
1: sorted it out with a company as i like in Kapala no not Kapala. anyway yeah it's all it's yeah, all booked okay. so 28th of july watch the space See, so i'll be doing my course but now i'm like oh my go god i can't remember how to ride on the road
0: <laughs> let's go for a ride i got the uh i got the ducati hypermotard the 950 oh it is nice. so sick yeah. ridiculous because i i never like so i only rode on the dirt my whole life yeah it wasn't something that was interesting to me like jack miller's one of my best mates so i fucking froth him and i'm just full full cheerleader yeah for for jack but that was it my i was like i'll never go on a racetrack on a road bike i couldn't see myself owning it and then my dad and mum go to vietnam and they do this 10-day tour across Vietnam on the back of these... Uh, on these kind of... They're like a Chinese Harley type Yeah. Deal. And uh, they Fun. did that. Oh, my God. They come back and it was like they were 15 and just went on schoolies. <laughs> and uh, so... Then like, the- I
1: need a piece of that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. So fast forward a year and they're like... you. me and my brother we have to go do it right Mm. and i was like i don't really want to like i was so in the podcast mode like i just wanted to stay and grind and and get shit done Mm -hmm. went over and i was like holy fuck what have i been missing out on (laughs) like i two wheels and a motor has been the theme throughout my entire life Mm. since i can remember and I have just but missed on the this entire realm of fun.
1: But a lot of people who have come from a dirt background say they're not keen on riding on mm. the roads because it's the other people around you. Yeah, that are the, and that's always you know that's always the yeah. concern when you're on the road, whether it's on a a motorbike or a or a pushbike or even in your car. It's yeah. always the other people. So that's why people who come from a dirt bike background don't yeah. necessarily like riding on the road usually. Yeah, Did no. You, do you find that? Yeah, definitely.
0: Mm. But man, I am just so in. <laughs> I'm so in now. Yeah. Like any chance I get to ride that Ducati. Do you ride to just,
1: to work every day?
0: Nah, because I got the dog. Oh, I, if, yeah. Yeah. If I didn't bring Hurls, oh, yeah. A cute
1: little passenger though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I didn't bring him,
0: I, I'd um I'd ride it way more. But yeah. I've just done like the border ranges, like the New South Wales border ranges. Like oh, wow. my my dad's got a road bike as well, and um yeah, it's honestly. Insane, and, and we're shooting some stuff uh, pretty soon for Ducati. So I've been trying to ride it better, like yeah. actually get into the twisties and link turns together, and like, yeah, oh, I've just I'm just gonna have
1: to find my wheels again, yeah, like on the road. Yeah, it's very yeah. hard.
0: No, we'll, <laughs> we'll, yeah, oh, actually, we'll, it
1: won't be hard. I'll just remember it's like riding a bike it's just like like riding a bike well
0: yeah we'll we'll go for a ride and uh, that'll be fun yeah next uh, next year when you're in the thick of it as a as a team uh, team manager of of triple eight maybe come back and and we'll do it again because I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it
1: yeah I really enjoyed it I've had an absolute blast so thank you so much
0: no dramas All right. cheers talk to you soon
1: bye